0: Welcome to the Old Soul Movie Podcast, your number one spot for classic movie rewatches and breakdowns. My name is Jack Oremus, and I'm here with my sister, Emma Oremus. We decided that we wanted to make a show that reflected our love and appreciation for classic movies. And while you're here, hopefully we can share that together as an Old Soul family. We're going to be diving into these movies scene by scene and giving our modern reactions to the films that have influenced generations of people. There will be fun facts, hot takes, tears, laughter, and everything in between. And with that being said, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. (laughs) All right, so today we are going to be talking about the classic, the unbelievable Casablanca. Uh, Emma, this is going to be exciting.
1: I'm absolutely thrilled. This is a just critical movie in cinematic history, and I'm very just excited.
0: It was actually my first time watching it. Uh, this was a recommendation by you. <laughs> uh, it's a great one. Yeah, when was the first time that you saw it?
1: Oh, a long time ago. A long, long, long time ago. I might have been
0: in middle school. Did you understand? I guess, the plot right away? Or uh, how, how were you uh, watching it the first time?
1: So when I was a young uh, preteen or teen, I I think I was more into the romance. I think that's what really got me. But then, you know, watching in high school, you get a little bit more invested in the war uh, aspects. And then college, you know, you find a nice just balance between everything. So it's, it's just a really important movie. Um, mm-hmm. I think everyone should give it a shot at least once.
0: Mm-hmm. And you and have a, you have a poster of it in your uh, in your place, right?
1: I actually don't have one of this one, but it's it's on the it's on the wish list for oh. one day, someday.
0: <laughs> okay, maybe maybe Christmas, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought that <laughs> it was funny when I um when I thought of this movie, I always knew that there was a plane involved. But I always got this one confused with North by Northwest.
1: Oh, no. So
0: I, I always knew that there was, you know, some sort of escape happening, but I had no idea about the rest of the plot. So when I first watched it, I didn't read anything about the background. I just wanted to go in uh, pretty dry and just see how I felt about the movie off the cuff, sort of, just to see like what I guess a modern person really would think about it if If they're watching it today, just without any sort of context and didn't know that it was a a famous historical movie. But a few of the facts about the movie are that it is a 1942 romantic drama uh, produced by Hal B. Wallace and Warner Brothers. It is directed by Michael Curtis and written by Julius J. Epstein, Philip G. Epstein, Howard Koch, and an uncredited uh, Casey Robinson.
1: Oh, that poor guy, he yep. cheated himself out of an Oscar.
0: I know, I know. Casey Robinson, he uh, he rewrote some of the romantic scenes between Bogart and Bergman, and he was offered a credit for the film, but he turned it down. Uh, he was only accepting credits for uh, scripts wrote entirely by himself at the time, but like you said, by declining this, uh, he was left out of receiving an Academy Award. Casey, Casey, Casey. Uh oh. That's, that's that's not good. Uh, so it is based on an unproduced stage play called Everybody Comes to Rick's. Uh, the rights were originally sold for twenty thousand dollars, which was crazy at the time, but today that would be equivalent to more than three hundred eighty thousand dollars. Pretty not, not not too shabby. Something that I thought was pretty interesting was that in the nineteen eighties, uh, the script was sent to just <laughs> random readers at a number of major studios under this original title, Everybody Comes to Rick's. Uh, Some of the readers recognized the script right away, but most did not. Uh, Many complained that the script wasn't good enough to make a decent movie, and that had too much dialogue, was too dated, and, quote, didn't have enough sex. And I
1: guess, to be fair, even back in the day, a lot of the uh, main cast members weren't totally down with being in this film. Really? Um, Actually, similar thoughts, that it was just lame, here and there. Uh-huh. And some of the people, I won't name names.
0: <laughs> <were not. laughs> I mean, name the names.
1: Um, I heard Humphrey Bogart, <laughs> here I am spilling the tea.
0: I heard that <laughs> Humphrey
1: Bogart wasn't super thrilled about it. Um, I think he told Orson Welles that he thought it was like a really lame picture. Mm-hmm. Um, Ingrid Bergman, I think, wasn't super down with it. Um, so, it, you know, there's the main two right there. So it, it's kind of, it was like, uh, I don't know, even back then, but I think it worked so nicely. And I think a big reason why it did work so nicely is because of the timing. I think if you look at any film from this era, um, time, well, the golden era of Hollywood or the golden age of Hollywood, um, in general, um, timing is everything that could mm-hmm. absolutely make or break a movie in this case it made this movie uh, and, however, and careers yes that being said um, I think given that it was so specific to a time um, and was portraying a very specific message it held up and aged very beautifully so I'm mm-hmm. Bad props to this movie. It's It's been a winner.
0: I mean, we'll give a background for people that are unfamiliar with the movie. But uh, yeah, actually, I'll just I'll say that right now. Yeah. Uh, cool. for, yeah. For those of you who, who haven't seen Casablanca, uh, which was also me up until this last week, uh, this movie is about an American expat named Rick Blaine, who owns a nightclub in Casablanca in 1941. Uh, an old romantic interest named Ilsa suddenly appears with her husband, Victor Laszlo. It was an infamous rebel fighting against the Germans uh, with the Nazis looking to capture Laszlo, Ilsa approaches Rick for his help, getting them out of the country
1: yeah so, that's it um and I'll just insert here now that if you haven't seen it, there are major spoilers coming your way, so yeah
0: you... yeah, we're going to talk about the entire movie, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> strapping the seatbelts, but yeah, I mean, would you call this a a propaganda film or I mean it involves the Nazis it's yeah. in the middle of World War two uh even when it was released, they strategically plotted it so that it was right before uh, the Americans sort of made their way uh, through Africa and the southern part of of Italy.
1: Yeah, so I one could definitely call this a propaganda film. I don't know why that term like doesn't sit with me the best with this movie mm-hmm. because it's a propaganda film, and I think it does speak to just. a bigger context of human nature. Right. So yeah, so it's difficult to label it that but yeah. it I mean the timing of it was very strategic.
0: I mean it didn't feel like a propaganda movie to me at all. I mean it wasn't like rah rah America. I think part of it's just because Rick Blaine is sort of an outcast from America. So it's it's not like he is some super patriot. I think it really is just sort of balancing the uh I guess the good of what Laszlo is trying to do with, uh, you know, the evil of Strasser and the the Nazi regime, kind of coming into into Casablanca. And do you want to talk a little bit about the the background?
1: Yeah, Casablanca. Here we go. (laughs) Um, Well, a kind of going off of what you said, neutrality is a huge, or lack of neutrality, or the ability to be neutral neutral is a huge. Theme in this movie, will definitely circle back to it a ton as we're talking, as well as alliances and friendships. So, just kind of keep that in mind as we're going along. Um, so, I'll give a little bit of context of what was Casablanca like in 1941, mm-hmm. which is when the place. Um, so here we go, little brief history lesson. I'm not a historian <laughs> by any means, but this is kind of a rough idea of what things were like.
0: And we're not film critics either.
1: Yeah. <laughs> By nature. <laughs> Make that <a> clarification. Yeah. <laughs> so, World War Two began in 1939 and ended in 1945. So, this is towards the beginning-ish.
2: We're right in the middle. The ally,
1: yeah. um, we have the Allies and the Axis powers. Allies consisted of the Soviet Union, United Kingdom, and Republic of China. Um, and then the U.S. is not part of the allies yet when this film is taking place right. eventually US does join the allies but as of right now this is just before we enter our US enters axis powers consist of Nazi Germany empire of Japan and kingdom of Italy so these are kind of the forces going on um, the film takes place in 1941 so America still neutral um, pearl harbor as we all know, it took place on December 7th, 1941. So this film would have taken place between December 1st and like December 6th um,
2: mm-hmm. of
1: 1941. So let's backtrack a little bit into what Casablanca's deal was this. So Casablanca is a city in Morocco for those that might not be super familiar. <laughs> um, and on September 3rd, 1939, France declares war on Germany. So tensions are high between those two. There's a really long war, mock war thing going on between those two. In 1940, Nazi Germany finally defeats France. And um, France officially signed an armistice with Germany June 22nd, 1940. And this is, for those that have seen it, this is where Rick and Ilsa and that, Backflash the meeting are going. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's where they're at right now. June 22nd, 1940. Then France is separated into kind of like a north and south. The north is Nazi occupied France. The south then becomes Vichy France, which is what Captain Renault refers to throughout the film. And Vichy was kind of like a resort town at the time, but then it was made this new capital of South France, if you will. Mm-hmm. So Vichy, France, was technically independent. It's hard to say whether it was a puppet government or if it really was independent, but collaborating with the Nazis, either way, whatever you want to call it, technically independent, but very much keeping in line with German interests. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say exactly what they were, puppet regime or otherwise. Um, And it's still being researched today. So if anyone wants to keep tabs on that. So it's understood that they were on the same page. Casablanca and other French colonies then were controlled by the Vichy French government. However, again, if we're looking at that alliance with Nazi Germany or that kind of same page mentality, there's some worry and influence there, which is why Strasse um, is present there. That's why there's this German present presence there. Um, Casablanca is the largest Atlantic at that time, or just in general. Casablanca was the largest Atlantic port in Africa and um, there were visas. We'll get into this later. There were visas, but they were difficult to get and would expire <laughs> after so many days. It's a little different than how the movie portrays them, but just bear that in mind. So if we're looking at Casablanca, December 1941, there's Allied and present parties present. Um, and there are a lot of refugees there, especially a lot of Jewish refugees trying to escape. And that's Casablanca in that period—the real one.
0: Yeah, the background is definitely important. I mean, I I, I like World War II. I follow it I know, with a fair amount of interest, but I I think that I neglected this aspect of it because I think it's such an under—it's it, not talked about as much as some other parts of World War II. But it's still super important, not only for the movie, but I guess in the context of so many people's lives. It's you know, it's how they escaped. The, the chaos that was happening in, in all of Europe. But, uh, but yeah, I, I love this movie. I mean, I, I will, I will admit it. I watched it twice. The first time I went through it, I thought that it was really kind of hard to follow. <laughs> Maybe that's just because I'm used to to movies today, but I was just like, I'm not really sure what's going on. Kind of like what you said. I, I obviously I followed the, uh, the love story,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: I, I kind of thought it was difficult to to follow everything else that was going on partially because everyone had these accents. You know, there were the the very French accents, the German <laughs> accents. I I honestly didn't even know if they were speaking English <laughs> some of the I times. I
1: think 34 nationalities worked on this film. I'm mm-hmm. so it claims.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, Casablanca had to be just a melting pot of all of Europe at the time. If everyone is escaping and that is sort of the the route That you have to go, it makes sense that you have, I guess, such a uh, a mosh pit Mm -hmm. (laughs) of a different kind of cultures coming to meet there. But yeah, the first time I watched it, I would say that I I liked it, I enjoyed it. But then the second time, after I allowed myself to kind of do some research and a little bit of background reading about kind of exactly what was happening. And then the second time, taking the time putting subtitles on, actually, I loved it. I mean, it it was almost a flawless script, in my opinion. Mm, like if you if rough. you if you watch it twice, it was just, oh, it was so unreal. But if you if you want to to read about it before or listen to this before you watch it for the first time, then uh, by all means, go ahead. I think you'll have a greater appreciation for it. But I'm just I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited to get into it. Uh, go. <laughs> yep it is a runtime of 102 minutes. Um, it stars Humphrey Bogart as Rick Blaine, Ingrid Bergman as Ilsa Lund, Paul Heinrich as Victor Laszlo, Claude Rains as Captain Louis Renault, uh, awesome guy, Conrad mm-hmm. Veidt as Major Heinrich Strasser, Sydney Greenstreet as Signor Ferrari, Peter Lohr as Signor Ugarte, and Dooley Wilson as Sam. <laughs> I love Sam. Damn, uh, is
2: great. Yep.
0: it was nominated at the 16th Academy Awards for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, my man Claude Rains, uh, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, and Best Music, and it won Best Writing, Best Director, and Best Picture.
1: Yeah, that's it. Here we go.
0: Awesome. So let's get into it. Uh, the film starts off with a giant spinning globe with a narrator that talks about how people are desperate to escape Europe during World War II, and specifically uh, trying to get to the United States. It was said that a French refugee trail sprung up that started from Paris to Marseille, across the Mediterranean to Iran and Algeria, and then by train to Casablanca in the French Morocco. It was said that here, citizens with money could obtain exit visas to Lisbon and to the new world. So, a little bit about what you were talking about with mm-hmm. the with the visas. We then see our first glance of a busy market in downtown Casablanca, and a radio room where a police officer gets word that two German couriers uh, carrying important documents have been murdered. He then tells yeah. them. He then tells them the murderer and accomplices are heading towards Casablanca.
1: So high alert there in Casablanca. Um, up until this point, first of all, love the score. I love the. Um, the very very beginning even with the map of africa the Mm -hmm. score the music it really sets the tone of just excitement Mm -hmm. the sets are beautiful they do just such a nice job of making this a really exotic looking place Mm -hmm. um just very high pressure um and also mysterious and romantic which is i'm pretty sure what they were looking for yeah
0: no it's it's great there's a lot of tension uh really fast-paced music that's how i would kind of describe the score how would how would you describe it
1: um yeah no i think exciting just a high mm-hmm. a high pressure exciting romantic those mm-hmm. are the first words that come to mind yeah
0: it's a, it's uh-huh. like a it's like a classic adventure almost yeah you you, you, yeah. You, feel, you feel like you have an idea of what's about to happen and it's funny because the rest of the i guess the the film isn't quite your typical adventure it's not so you know action packed that you're overwhelmed yeah but it's it's like oh my gosh the last third of this movie is just insane okay so uh so the police then start gathering men who are the uh, quote usual suspects Mm-hmm. And uh one of them with expired papers tries to make a run for it. Uh he's shot down and shown to have pamphlets for the free French.
1: Yeah, so that is the French resistance symbol.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh that c- sort of cross like figure with the look up the picture. You it, it,
0: it, it's probably. like a it's like a cross, <laughs> and then there's another sort of yes. cross above the <laughs> the <Yes>. main cross. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> So after, um, after we see this guy shot down, uh, we see an English couple having lunch at a cafe where a man tells us that these men are being rounded up to be brought to the Prefect of Police, Monsieur uh, He As he tells them about how many of these vultures are looking for visas, uh, he steals theirs and is off before they even notice they're gone. Mm-hmm. Yep. So- yep.
1: I love that. I think that captured like the real just, you can't trust anyone here. It's very just
0: yeah it's it's every man it's every man for himself and were these english people on a vacation
1: to Casablanca? i think they were okay they might have been
0: questionable questionable decision by them
1: (laughs) you know it's um a beautiful place and it was a french colony so i guess it would have been like a I don't know what to equate it to exotic.
0: Examples. It's like that
1: exciting
0: Miami. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Puerto Rico. <laughs> it's um,
1: yeah. So just kind of like, okay, we're, we can't trust anyone here. So it sets us all just in the mood for well, who who's the good
2: guy here.
0: Right. So, so the tone is set. We know that Casablanca is a dangerous place. Everyone is out for themselves. Uh, the man finally realizes his wallet is stolen, but then we see a glimpse of an airplane and crowds looking up at that airplane, knowing that it is pretty important.
1: Oh man, this airplane is just the symbol of hope. It is the life draft that everyone is desperately trying to claw their way on.
0: Mm -hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's obviously very important. Uh, the plan then lands at the airstrip, uh, and we see our first glance of major Heinrich Strasser and my man. Captain Renault.
1: (laughs) So I think this is a, maybe an appropriate time to give a little background information on Conrad bite who played major stressor. So super interesting background, his personal background. Mm -hmm. He is actually German and he actually escaped Nazi Germany. He was a highly like wanted figure because of his anti-Nazi activities. Um, He had a major hatred for Nazis and he had many friendships with Jews, and his wife was Jewish. And he escaped the country, and then he actually did have a theater background in Germany. So he was a pretty big star there, I believe. Mm-hmm. And when he got to America, he did take on a lot of Nazi roles. And I think part of it was he incorporating his acting talents to make them so dislikable
3: mm-hmm. that
1: that would come through on screen and further convince Americans um, about this the important of this effort this war effort
0: mm-hmm. I think it was pretty important the the way that he portrayed them specifically not necessarily being your, maybe your typical villain but being very suave
1: yeah no it was it's it's not like this oh, like big scary obvious it's the very much the charming like mm-hmm. oh like chill cool like I think even with, like when I think back to when I was really little, like the first time I watched, this, not really little, but really young, um, I didn't like really pick up on that this was the obvious bad guy. Like when I was really little, mm-hmm. um, you obviously learned that the next time <laughs> as you mature. <laughs> but he he really doesn't come off as loud and angry. It's just like this cool and control guy, which I think was a perfect way of capturing what they were trying to
0: capture. He, he's the ominous puppet master of everything that's going on in Casablanca. I mean, he, he's, like you said, not outspoken. He's not really in everyone's face uh, besides a couple parts. Um, he, he's just very sort of laid back. He's got this weird undertone that you know is just sinister. And I think that's really what makes him an effective villain, especially after re- rewatching it a couple times. But yeah. So
1: big applause to Conrad Veidt. Right? did an amazing job i think this was um a great just characterization of a nazi villain
0: Mm -hmm. fun fact he also played maybe the first joker in the man who laughs oh yeah so uh that's originally what i guess the the joker from dc was based off of his character uh from this one movie he's yeah if you look into his i guess his, his reel a little bit more that's uh just another fun fact that you'll find about him but so uh, after Captain Renault introduces himself, we are introduced to an Italian officer who is aside, and gets to a minor Italian scuffle with what looks like to be one of Renault's men. Uh, Strasser asks Renault about the murders of the couriers and Renault assures him that he knows who the suspect is and that he will be at Rick's later that night. We do not yet know who Rick is, but this is where the old stage play presumably gets its name everybody comes to Ricks.
1: <laughs> and we also don't really know how we feel about Renault at this time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and we'll get more into that later, but it's good just ambiguous what's what how do we feel about him?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're not we're not quite sure if he's uh I guess cooperating with the the Germans at the time or how he is dealing with the people of Casablanca, but
1: So it is important to note this. He is a Vichy French, Vichy French officer.
0: Right, right, and
1: is important as we go along.
0: Definitely, and I think that, I mean, spoiler alert for how I feel about him. He's probably my favorite character of this entire movie. (laughs) I'm so bummed that he didn't win uh, best supporting actor, but it is what it is. Uh, Yeah, but. Uh, After that, uh, we then get our first glimpse of Rick's Cafe Americain. And this looks
2: like
1: an American oasis. Yes. (laughs) Like when you're abroad and you're just desperately looking for something American, this is that place.
0: It is a swanky nightclub that houses live music, gambling, drinking, and overall good vibes. It seems like one of the few places in Casablanca uh, where troubles are sort of left at the door. But having said that, it also seems like a place where a lot of deals get done. In order to get out of Casablanca,
1: chill place. We have Sam playing in the background, mm-hmm. who is just a gem of a character. Dooley Wilson, amazing job playing Sam. Yeah. Um, and a fun fact there, and let's insert it. Uh, Dooley Wilson was a professional drummer and singer. He faked playing the piano for those of you that not <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's great stuff. So yeah, so we get to we get to see Sam, and then we also see all the conversations that are going on about people trying to sell valuables. Uh, refugees worried about not escaping and conspirators talking to each other about what it will take uh, to get them out of there. A patron at the Baccarat table asks the maitre d', Carl, uh, if Rick will have a drink with them, and Carl responds by saying that he never drinks with customers. A Dutch banker at the table then says uh, to Carl that (laughs) he should tell Rick that he ran the second largest bank house in Amsterdam, and Carl responds, second largest? That would not impress Rick. The leading baker <laughs> in Amsterdam is now the pastry chef in our kitchen.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So we uh, we kind of get an idea of what Rick is like before we even see him.
1: It's a good setup.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we see our man, Rick Blaine, Humphrey Bogart, uh, playing some chess.
1: So this is actually, to me, an important symbolic scene. I, so Rick is playing chess, which A, is one of Bogart's favorite games or was one of his favorite games. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, I heard he was actually like playing with a friend via letter communication. Which he was kind of the friend.
0: The friend was in New York, and they uh, they were playing that while they were filming.
1: Um, so that's like the background. But if we look at it in the context of the film, it's really symbolic because it's a game that involves strategy. It's essentially like a mini version of a war going on on a game. And Rick is this very neutral person, so it's interesting to see him. Being so tactful in creating these plays um, for someone who is so nonchalant about things.
0: Yeah, Uh I would agree with that. Um, I think that it was pretty interesting that Humphrey Bogart, I wouldn't say wasn't the first, uh, I guess, option or the first desired actor for the role. Mm -hmm. I think that the original playwright Uh of uh, Everybody Comes to Ricks, wanted Clark Gable.
2: Yeah, that
1: would have been interesting.
0: Yeah, I think she called uh Bogart a drunkard. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which uh little, little cube shot there, but
1: a little bit, but I like that characterization for that character. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I mean, he was uh he I guess he was playing a lot of uh like gangster roles before this. Mhm.
1: Uh, uh Maltese Falcon
0: and the director, Michael Curtis, specifically didn't want him to wear hats while filming because apparently it made him look like too much of a gangster. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, so we see Rick, uh, he's playing some chess uh, in his private gambling room and a German banker uh, comes in and tries to, you know, gamble. Uh, but Rick personally denies him. He's then approached by a man of the name of Ugarty. Uh, who starts talking about the German couriers, and he's clearly not well respected by Rick. Ugarte turns out to be very important in this whole scheme. Uh, he talks about his business, which is in obtaining visas uh, in multiple ways, and he goes on about how he helps refugees escape. Rick says, for a price, Ugarte, and Ugarte responds by saying uh, he charges less than half of what Vernal charges, our first glimpse that Renault is a little corrupt.
1: Yeah. So Ugarte is like this slimy character. Something interesting to note is the nationalities played by some of these characters. So we have Major Strasser, who mm. is German, and that's like your main bad guy, right? That's like mm. the the baddie, the villain of this whole experience. Then you have some of the slimier, kind of not super trustworthy characters of Ugarte and Ferrari, and they're Italian, which again is part of the Axis powers. So while they're maybe not the main bad guy, they're kind of like these not to be trusted characters, which is again symbolic of this war effort message that America is trying to infiltrate or just trying to get through.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so very purposeful. Uh... I guess, Italian characterization of a few of these guys. Uh, Ugarte says that this is the last time that he will do this and then proceeds to show Rick the letters of transit signed by General de Gaulle. And these will allow him or anyone else to leave Casablanca.
1: Yeah, so these letters of transit. The letters
0: of transit. The
1: letters of transit. Do you want to let people know about these letters of transit?
0: They're not real. Uh, the letters of transit were never a real thing in real life. So these these letters turn out to be a major uh, plot point. Everyone is fighting over them because everyone wants to leave Casablanca. But it's your plot device, I mean, it's driving the film. Right. And they're not real. There were exit visas.
1: Yes, there were visas, but not like this. It's and again, they're described as they cannot be questions like it's just yes. it's good. Um, yes. That didn't that wasn't a thing.
0: Basically, if your name is written on them, you have the right to fly out of Casablanca uh, to Lisbon, correct? Mm-hmm. And then from Lisbon, you presumably would go uh, to the United States. But yes, these letters cannot be rescinded, not even questioned, and he's planning on selling them at Rick's that night. Uh, Ugarty then asks Rick to look after them for an hour, and then he gets up to leave. Uh, Rick then tells Ugarty that he heard the two German couriers were carrying letters of transit, to which Ugarty just says, poor devils. You know, <laughs> it's like, eh, I guess, you know, like, you got to do what you got to do. Oh, uh, yeah. So we obviously know that Ugarty did the dirty there. <laughs> Rick then goes over to the main room uh, right next to Sam, who is also playing music where everybody is faced towards him. And then he slips the letters under a stack of Sam's sheet music.
1: Yeah, so like, let's just break this scene down. So the letters get put in the piano. The piano here is a very important symbol. Um, it's just going to intersect a lot of past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. They're also playing the lovely and lively song. A knock on wood. I love this sequence. I don't know why. It That's a great
0: song. It. It's a great song. And knock
1: on wood at the same time. So it's kind of fun. It adds this little like fun element within the doom and gloom. And it's also the first motif that we have of luck that will be going throughout the film. Um, For those of you who might not be familiar, knocking on wood is a like
0: symbol. (laughs) Knock on wood. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Good luck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Again, we're seeing at that very moment, luck and these letters of transit at the same time being put together And whoever gets their hands on these letters is going to be very lucky. So there you go.
0: And that just completely went over my head (laughs) until you just said that. I mean, I, I should have put the two and two together, but that's so funny. You know, every everything, like even the very small details, um are just so masterfully crafted. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. Uh but yeah, so Rick just, you know, decides to put these letters basically in front of everyone's eyes. No one is, you know, aware of what they are. Uh, But then he sees the friendly business rival, uh, Senor Ferrari, come into his establishment. And then Rick asks him how business is at his place, which is called the Blue Parrot. Uh, Ferrari asks Rick if he's willing to sell his cafe, but Rick says that it's not for sale uh, at any price. Ferrari asks Rick if he's interested in the business of refugees, to which Rick says that it's not really for him and Sam also politely declines Ferrari's offer of uh double his salary at Rick's in order to come over to the blue parrot. Yeah. We know that Sam and Rick have this this history together, so uh not too surprising that Sam would.
1: <laughs> and I love Sam I just love Sam's sassy response. Like, and I love <laughs> Rick's like, sorry. <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's like yeah. Bogart, he he has this weird I don't want to say accent. It's just the way he talks, it's, you know, it, it, it's kind of like...
2: It's, it's,
1: it's, I don't it's know, intimidating show. It, it, it's old how school. Describe
0: it. It's like, I don't know whether I should laugh or be scared.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh, after that, the next shot, we get of a, uh, a woman named Yvonne who is sitting at the bar and is just angrily staring in what looks to be Rick's direction. Uh, she's stunning, but she also yeah. just looks mean. <laughs> I don't know what it is about her, but yeah
1: (laughs) she's um yeah it's another little symbol here of rick's non-committal to this jilted lover like we're seeing that he's neutral and all well we think he's super neutral just does not care about anything and she's like a symbol of that as well
0: yeah he he puts up that i guess that perception i think he wants people to think that he's like this cold-hearted guy you know he's like this you know i don't care about anything but uh, yeah, eventually we'll kind of look into that a little bit more. But so uh, <laughs> we see Yvonne, who clearly probably had a thing for Rick. She does have a thing for Rick. Uh, Rick then goes up to the bar and tears apart a check from the German banker from before. And Yvonne starts making her move, uh, not even looking at her. Yvonne goes, where were you last night? And Rick replies with, that was so long ago, I can't even remember. She then goes, well, I see you tonight. To which he says, "I never make plans that far ahead." <laughs> I, I think from that moment I knew that I liked Rick. I was just like, <laughs> "I was just like, oh my god, this guy is so funny." Yeah, uh, he's
1: yeah. interesting guy.
0: And so Rick, after that, then tells the bartender Sasha uh, to call her cab, and he starts escorting her out. Uh, Yvonne then says that she's a fool for falling for him, and Rick tells Sasha to make sure that she gets home. It's it's just funny. I, I like Yvonne, but we. We can clearly see that Rick is a little jaded, um, but still not really sure why. I think that's kind of what's going on right now. Yeah. Uh, while Rick is outside, we see Captain Renault uh, sitting at a table talking about how extravagant he is for throwing away women like that. <laughs> the, uh, the two then see a plane take off for Lisbon, and Renault guesses that Rick would like to be on it so he could go back to America.
1: Yeah, which is not entirely the case.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, he he guesses what really brought Rick to Casablanca. And we can tell that the two have a, a courteous relationship uh, for Rick being so serious. It seems like he kind of lets that down a little bit with uh with Renal. And after their exchange, we see Emile the house croupier, Coupier, Coupier. coupier. Uh, he comes out to tell Rick that a man won 20,000 francs and they need him to get the money from the safe. Uh, Rick is a very forgiving guy. He tells Emil not to worry about it, and they head back in.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, no, it's interesting. This whole and backtracking a little. um, It's I think it's funny that the writers couldn't think of like a good enough backstory for Rick for why he couldn't go home. Yeah, we know that Rick has a record. We have no idea what he did. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I can't even. I couldn't even come up with a good enough like my own tale that i tell myself um Mm -hmm. i i always pictured him as like a bad home life poor new yorker just a kid on the streets trying to make ends meet gets to europe somehow Mm -hmm. it's i don't know it's it's interesting and i love his cheeky quote about the waters i think that's so yeah (laughs) desert
0: desert. (laughs) um but yeah i think that new yorker backstory is pretty interesting because strasser actually talks about you know that a little bit later, if Rick can imagine the Germans kind of taking over all these places where they aren't yet, one of the <laughs> places being New York, and then Rick oh. replies with, you wouldn't even want to go there. Yeah, you know, we'll like.
1: there. Yeah. <laughs> I was so like,
2: oh.
0: Yeah, so I, I kind of like that backstory for him personally, but I, I also like the ambiguity of yeah, him not really having something. I think that is tastefully open to uh, the viewer's imagination.
1: And if we – look at it from a symbolic perspective, I think a lot of Americans can then put themselves in Rick's shoes, which I think when you leave things ambiguous, you're not making him too identifiable with one person or another. So people can picture themselves easier in that role. Mm -hmm. Also, this is the beginning. You hear the the famous line that's repeated over and over. I don't stick my neck out for nobody.
0: Yep, yep. I I had no idea that that was, was was this the first, film that used that was that originated from this movie uh, i mean it definitely wasn't yeah, but i think
1: it was just like a phrase that was used yeah. but it's definitely an important phrase in this movie that's for sure
0: yeah yeah so uh so all those guys are starting to go back inside of rick's and renault follows and tells rick that there will be excitement there tonight and that he's going to make an arrest in the cafe uh renault tells rick not to warn him and him being ugarty and Rick responds by saying the famous line, he doesn't stick his neck out for nobody. <laughs> uh, Renault says that it was out of respect for him that they want to stage the arrest there, which is kind of counterintuitive. And yeah. uh, he's just going to look really good, I guess, for it going down. <laughs> yeah, so
1: there again, we get this symbolism of Vichy France trying to impress the Germans. Um, which is captured through Renault and Strasser. Mm-hmm. So, again, keep that in mind that this is like them trying to appeal to this other power.
0: Right. And so uh, Rick senses that Renault has something else on his mind. And Renault says that he knows just how many exit visas are being sold in this cafe. But since Rick has never personally sold one, they allow him to stay open.
2: He's good. He's good
0: yeah. to go. Yeah, he's he's fine. uh Rick responds by saying that he thought it was because they let Renault win at roulette. To which Renault responds, "That is another reason." <laughs> and <laughs> I, just, I just love Renault so much. It's uh,
2: so funny.
0: Yeah. So Renault then says that uh, that there's a man named Victor Laszlo who has arrived in Casablanca, and he is looking.
2: For... Know that's a big name. Yes. In this...
0: <laughs> yeah, he is looking for a way to to go back to America, and. Uh, Rick is stunned.
1: Uh, to go to America. He's
0: Yes, t- yes, to go to America. He is Czechoslovakian refugee. Uh, Rick is stunned, and Ridal admits that it is true. Uh, and it is also the first time that he's ever seen Rick so impressed. So we know right off the bat that Laszlo, he's an important guy.
2: Yeah, and
1: again, important to note that he is Czech. That was a very deliberate nationality choice. Czechoslovakia, I believe, was the first um, nation invaded by Nazi Germany. And so here we have with Laszlo, Laszlo, Laszlo symbolizing this long standing hatred or this long standing um, animosity towards Nazi Germany. So he might have a more um, just heightened wisdom to their dangers because he's capturing uh, Czechoslovakia and how they've been hurt first. So again, a very deliberate choice there with his nationality as well.
0: Yes. So Laszlo is famous for his, uh, his numerous escapes, uh, including from, you know, concentration camps and all these crazy places. And Rinald tells him that he must not escape Casablanca. Uh, after a little bit of talking, the uh, two place a 10,000 franc bet uh, that he escapes Casablanca. Rick believing that he will, Rinald saying that he won't. Uh, Rick is told that Laszlo needs two exit visas, one for him and one for his female companion. Mm, what's going on there?
2: Him. Uh,
0: <laughs> Renal tells Rick that he suspects that he would help Laszlo escape uh, because under his shell, he believes that he is a sentimentalist.
2: Oh,
1: Rick's a big old softy underneath that hard shell.
0: Yep, turning down dimes and just, (laughs) 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 you know, underneath it, he's he's crying on the inside. Uh, He gives proof by saying that he ran guns in Ethiopia in 1935. This is Rinald telling Rick. And that in 1936, he fought for the Loyalists in Spain, both actions, which didn't pay him well, but were considered sort of underdog positions.
1: Yeah, so again, not a super important point to this movie but maybe an interesting little history note in general the loyalist is associated with like the republic side in the Spanish Civil War the Spanish Civil War was going on 1936 to 1939 would have which is would have happened right before this film took place um so Spain was actually pretty much healing and rebuilding during the World War II time so they weren't really a player in it um but That's some background there if anyone's interested where Spain was during this. Um, And it's the first tip-off that Rick is just not that neutral. He's not the no worries, no cares person that we thought he was. And he does have this soft spot for the underdog, which is his little Achilles heel. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) we'll keep that in mind as the film goes on.
0: Yes. So their conversation is interrupted when another official informs Renault that Major Strasser has arrived. Uh, Ronald then goes downstairs to tell his men to place two guards at every door, and they get ready to make the arrest on Ugarte. Uh, Ronald sits down with Strasser and tells him, you know, what he's about to witness. And we see the guards approach Ugarte at the roulette table, and he is clearly shaken. <laughs> he, he's like, "What?" He he looks like a kid with his uh. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a kid, you know, getting caught in the in the candy jar. He asks to cash his chips in to buy some time to analyze the getaway routes. And once he's done, he runs past the door guards, closes the door. He tries to make a run for it, uh, but the door opens too quickly. He turns around, shoots down a guard while Strasser and all are just you know calmly watching from from a table on the side. They they're not worried in the in the slightest bit that he's going to get away. Uh, you then runs to Rick, uh, asking him for help, but it's too late. The guards take him and he is off in custody. Uh, Rick then tells one of his friends again, that he sticks his neck out for nobody in, in <laughs> case that wasn't obvious before. And he apologizes to the rest of the patients for this, for the disturbance and then tells them to enjoy themselves. Pretty crazy. Uh, guy just got shot <laughs> yeah. and, um, yeah. and Rick's like, you know what? It's, it's not a big deal. Just enjoy you know, enjoy the night. Sam picks up the music again, and the nightclub is just right where it left off. Uh, seems like no, nothing nothing just happened. You know, it's just another day in Casablanca. Uh, Bernal brings Rick over to the table where Strasser and his right-hand man, Er uh, Eins, are seated. <laughs> this is more of just Strasser's right-hand man. Uh, Strasser starts asking Rick about questions, which Rick is very open about. Uh oh. Stays said he was born in America, uh, so we know that he's American now. Strasser, I guess we already knew that he was American. Uh, Strasser asks him if he can imagine the Germans taking multiple locations that they aren't at already. And Rick kind of tries to give very vague, neutral answers, besides the, I guess, them invading the United <laughs> States one.
2: Which
1: I was like, oh, as if. Like, that yeah. is, mm. like that got my American patriot and me all like, anti-Nazi. Oh. So that was a that was great delivery um, by Conrad, by uh, just like this slimy like, and then we're going to do this and that. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I... Can't. So it was perfect because it wasn't a outwardly, overtly aggressive. It was just like suavely aggressive, yeah. which made me very much just like disliking towards this character.
0: But then Rick's, I guess, reply was even more... It wasn't like a subtle jab, but it was just like, I'd like to see you try, you know, like that's kind of, I guess, the message. Yeah. I I was just like, yeah, Yeah. America. Um, (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, even there, we kind of get to see that Rick, uh, sort of has a dog in the fight. I think he still, you know, has emotional connections towards, uh, towards the United States. Uh, but then Strasser tells Rick that they have a complete dossier, dossier on him. And, and then he uh he says that they know what he was doing in paris and they know why he is unable to return to america
1: we don't but strasser does we
0: don't yeah but it's a good thing that strasser does
1: <laughs> but apparently it's not that big a deal to strasser
0: yeah yeah so uh again we're just kind of left open we're left for uh an open interpretation
1: um and we also um i mean i don't think they say it overt, like like Um, Specifically, but um, Strasser might be one of the Germans occupying the Paris, the the French, the Nazi occupied France part. But that's that's a maybe. Mm -hmm. But worth noting if we look at the relationship between his uh, relations with Captain Renault. Mm
0: -hmm. So Strasser then goes on to tell Rick about how he is after Laszlo, uh, but Rick says that his business is only in running the saloon. Uh, Renault then reassures Strasser. That there's nothing to worry about uh, with Rick once he leaves the table. So I I guess Ronald's trying to play, I don't want to say the neutral card, but he's also kind of looking after Rick, um, trying to, I guess, not tip off Strasser.
2: Yeah. Because him and Rick are buddies. Have like
1: a clear alliance per se yet, but they have each other's back. They have mutual interests here. Yeah. So. Oh, I just hate that these Nazis were trying to like, almost, it felt like they were enlisting Rick and I was just not having it.
0: I know, I know. You really start to feel for him. Uh, but then, after uh, after Rick leaves the table, uh, we then see our first glimpse of Laszlo. Yes. And his stunning partner, who we find out is named Ilsa. The two are escorted to their table past Sam.
1: Ooh, and And, there is a look from Sam. uh, Sam knows something's up, and we know we're in for a
2: ride.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess on first watch, you don't know if it's because Ilsa is a head turner, which she clearly is, or if there's some sort of backstory that Sam knows something about this woman. uh, We find out that that is the case. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so his head is literally—it's like The Exorcist. He's kind of. He follows her right as she comes in, all the way to, to when she sits down and, you know, he's distraught. I think uh, it's
1: like that look that we always have for our friends when their ex walks in and we're like, oh, oh no. no. Yeah,
0: you just you just want to get your friend out of there or you just hope they go away or something. Um, but
1: Bergman here, I mean, she, what a perfect casting choice in my opinion. I think she is just Lights up the screen. I actually wrote down luminous. I just think that she is just like silk, just lovely actress for this role. Um,
0: I think Roger Eber actually said that, um, I guess her interactions with Bogart, he described her as painting his face with yeah. her, her looks oh, and so cool. she's a five ten Swede, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Taller,
0: taller than Bogart, actually. <laughs>
1: yes, um, which was uh, disguised throughout the film with the movie magic of boxes and pillows.
0: <laughs> but she is uh, she's stunning. And the two, uh, Laszlo and Ilsa, are then brought to their table. And then Laszlo tells Ilsa that he saw no one of Ugarty's description. So Laszlo was looking for Ugarty because he is mm-hmm. going to buy these letters of transit, presumably. Mm-hmm. So Ilsa says that she feels like they shouldn't stay there. Uh, but Laszlo says that if they left, it would only call attention to them. A man approaches them asking if they're interested in a ring that he has. Uh, he opens it up and he shows the sign of the free French resistance. Yes.
1: that same French resistance cross that we so eloquently described earlier is on this ring.
0: Mm-hmm. So Laszlo has friends in Casablanca. He's not alone. Yeah, um, I
1: think he has friends everywhere. I'm yeah. just picturing this little like rebel celebrity.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's well-known. He's, uh, like you said, he's a celeb. Uh, Laszlo quietly tells the man that they'll meet him at the bar in a few moments and loudly states that he's not interested in the ring just to deter anyone who might have been casually following the conversation. Renault then approaches Lazlo to welcome him to Casablanca and Lazlo introduces him to Ilsa. Upon seeing her, uh, Renault says that he was, uh, he was informed that she was the most beautiful woman ever to visit Casablanca. Ooh, then,
1: what a compliment.
0: And even better than that, he says that was a gross understatement.
1: Even better compliment. <laughs>
0: he is suave. He is a <laughs> suave Frenchie. Um, for those of you who haven't seen the movie again, he's probably not far off. Mm-hmm. Ilsa is on edge and asks Renault where the man on the piano came from. Uh, Renault says that his name is Sam and that he came... With Rick from Paris. Ilsa then says, Rick, who is he?
2: What Rick?
0: (laughs) Very, very sly. I feel like if you're Ilsa, it's like you have to put the two and two together at that moment. I mean, she probably does.
1: I'm hoping I'm, I'm just seeing her. I'm picturing her looking at the Rick's Cafe American sign, like on the yeah. front of the building, seeing Sam rapidly putting it all together and just like the <laughs> ghost of her past, just like dancing before her eyes right now.
0: If, if there's a younger audience listening to this, it's like uh, Mrs. Puff from Spongebob, like sweating bullets, like, oh, oh barnacles. Like, I'm guessing that, I don't know why that came to my mind. Uh, but then Renault then says that she's in Rick's. And that Rick is the kind of man that if Renault were a woman uh, and he wa- and if Renault wasn't personally around, he would be in love with Rick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so it's like,
0: you know, Renault loves himself, but I think he he loves Rick um, and he keeps him in high regard pretty cool. He has a man
1: crush, maybe yeah.
0: like a,
2: like uh, a, a bro.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely a bromance. Uh, Strasher then comes over to the table and then tells Lazo that he's the subject of the, uh, the German Reich. Rinald tells Laszlo that he requests him at his office at 10 the following day uh, in the morning. Laszlo then goes over to the man that approached him earlier, and Ilsa and Sam lock eyes again. Ilsa requests Sam to come over, and when he does, he says that he never expected to see her again.
1: Sam, this poor guy. Just did not expect to be roped into this tonight.
0: Sam is just constantly in the middle of, of everything, which is why I think I feel so bad for him. <laughs> he's just like he's such a lovable guy and he's just yeah. always looking out for Rick. He's just like he's a bestie. He's a bestie. Ilsa starts asking about Rick, and Sam tells Ilsa just to stay away because a, a series
2: of lies
1: that yeah. she repeatedly calls him out on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Sam is telling Ilsa to stay away because she's bad luck to him. Uh mm-hmm. Ilsa then tells Sam to play at once for old time's sake.
1: <laughs> he's like. I've forgotten how to play it as if you've forgotten how to play as time goes by, but let's, let's pretend that is true.
0: Yep. Um, She, she tells Sam play as time goes by. It is a beautiful song. It is just so it's like eerie almost.
2: And then Sam, yeah, suddenly
1: recalls how to play it. And it is just, Ooh, it takes us back.
0: Yep. Um, it has some major La La Land vibes. I don't know. That's kind of what I got. It was it was sort of oh, similar yeah. to like Mia and Sebastian's theme.
1: Yes. La La Land was very much um, took some inspo from this film so that I see that connection.
0: Is that um, is that a note or is that like a recorded thing?
1: No, I mean, so like Mia, I'm, uh, sorry if no one here has seen La La Land. Mia has the big like Casablanca poster. I'm pretty sure they go by like. Casablanca set piece or something like that in La La Land. Um, Oh, no. Or does she have an Ingrid Bergman poster in her apartment? Something like that. But we Mm -hmm. see that inspiration in La La Land.
0: Yeah. I mean, I saw La La Land before I saw this. So all the things in Casablanca, all the references that were probably made, I just straight up didn't pick up on. But that's like the first thing that I kind of thought of when I heard this tune. Which is technically ranked number two on AFI's top 100 songs list. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a great tune. But then we see Rick coming out furious. He goes up oh, to Sam. Yep. He goes up to Sam saying, I thought I told you never to play. And then he sees her.
1: Uh, and then Sam is all like, Nothing to see here. <laughs> she packs up the piano and bolts.
2: <laughs> yep. Sam
0: Sam packs up real quick because he knows exactly what's about to go down. Uh, and Renault comes back with Laszlo, who offers a seat to Rick. After a little bit of a passive aggressive introduction between Laszlo and Rick, Renault chimes in while looking at Ilsa and Rick and says, I can't get over you two. She was asking about you earlier in a way that made me extremely jealous. <laughs> i just i love riddle so much uh the tension is thick between these two as they talk about the last time they saw each other Um, cut it with
1: a knife it is heavy and dense
0: yeah so they they briefly talk about paris rick says that he remembers every detail and he delivers his famous line the germans wore gray and you wore blue
1: Ooh, i like that line it is romantic and you get a good visual of what was going on
0: if you're lazlo i, I kind of like to imagine like what was Lazo thinking like hmm this guy's <laughs> a good memory <laughs>
1: <laughs> I
2: know.
1: um yeah i'm sure we'll touch upon it more yeah later. yeah laz, laz i keep calling him lazlo lazlo really needs to keep his eyes open
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so if i were hearing that you know about some guy like just talking to my girlfriend or my wife my, my wife i would be like okay <laughs> something's clearly up here um but luckily for us renault can sense this tension and he decides to break it up
1: yeah again um renault yeah, is bro. And i think it's important to note here i mean rick sits down and has a drink with them and he's talking with them and Basically, he's throwing all of his old precedents out the window, and we know, we don't really know a lot about this girl yet, but we know that Ilsa can get Rick to do things that he would not normally do. Like, mm-hmm. this is his passion right here.
0: Yes. So, Laszlo and Ilsa then leave in a taxi, and we are left seeing a uh, a very solemn, alone Rick uh, sitting in a dark, dark cafe. I'm guessing it's after hours. <laughs> it is after hours. And so Sam approached him to try to get Rick uh, just to kind of get out of the place before Ilsa comes back. Sam's a be
2: re- friend.
0: Sam is a real buddy.
1: Yeah, I know. he's a he's a pal. He's he like says, a,
0: yeah, man. he says that they'll drive all night. They'll get drunk, go fishing and just wait until she's gone. But, you know, Rick is just he's not having it. You know, his mind is on Ilsa. She's back in his life and he's upset about it. Sam refuses to leave and he pulls up a seat next to Rick and starts playing piano for him.
1: I love that. Like, um, well, you can talk about the line, go for it. And then I'll say what I was going to say.
0: Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> af- after playing his own little song first, Rick requests, as time goes by saying that he played it for her, he could play it again for him. And that if she could stand <laughs> it, he could, um, <laughs> yeah that I mean what what do you think about that
1: yeah it's a famous misquoted line um people always think it's play it again Sam but it's you know she can take it I can take it so play it um just another one of those quotes that's misquoted but still just as powerful um yeah so he he is now we see him requesting to relive the past requesting to visit this thing that does make him so passionate um and so, and so sam starts playing and i love that he denies knowing how to play this song again when he <laughs> literally played it an hour ago
0: <laughs> i don't know if i remember all the words <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he, he is just this poor guy getting roped into the nonsense between these ex lovers yeah trying his best to like be there for his friend and i don't remember talking about um but he goes along starts playing with this starts playing the song and we get taken back in this little time machine yep of the song
0: a a close-up on rick just fades us right back to paris huge
2: flashback
0: yep and we see rick and ilsa driving in front of the uh the arc de Triomphe uh and the french countryside all these really romantic dates some of them include you know a boat date on the seine and just Mm. a bunch of really cute stuff um, Great
1: chemistry between these two. I'm loving just the looks they're giving each other. Yeah, um, We're learning that she's very mysterious. We don't know a whole lot about her. Um, but yeah, it's just romantic. It seems like careless love, but put it in the context of June 1941. <laughs> and we're seeing that it's like this calm before the storm. We know that there's danger ahead, but they're just enjoying each other's company right now.
0: And we see Rick just... I mean, constantly smiling, you know, if if he was, you know, this, this grandmaster of sadness in Casablanca, he is the polar opposite, uh, in Paris. Yeah. Okay. So eventually Rick asks for her background, um, when they're kind of alone in a secluded room and she says, we said no questions. (laughs) <laughs> and is like, oh, "All right." Uh he pours her a glass of champagne and we get the first delivery of the famous line, "Here's looking at you, kid."
1: Um and then remind me, I forget when this part happened, but he asked about like if she had a romantic in- interest in her life and she said that he died. And that's an easy one. Mm-hmm. So we do know that.
0: Yeah, that's a little bit later in the same oh, flashback. No. This, um Yes. But yeah, that that "Here's looking at you, kid" the line the famous line
2: it's it's not just delivered once
0: (laughs) it's delivered like how many four or five times
1: um minimum of three for sure I lost count to be
0: totally honest I mean I I have them all here so I mean we'll we'll know by the end but unpopular opinion I think it's a little overused
1: oh I think it's definitely overused I'm pretty sure it was improvised I'm pretty sure it was not part of the script and I think he just said it and they liked it so much (laughs) that it's started feeding a dead horse there or, yes, yes. or or what's what's the appropriate phrase now for that there's there's a more i'm sorry to our a more peace
0: yeah i mean he, he's uh I don't, I don't even think i could come feeding, up with
1: something. Feeding, he's feeding a fed horse right
2: now
0: he's feeding a fed horse oh my god
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway That's yes. so t- <laughs> we're going
0: back yeah, Rick feeds a fed horse with how many times he says this line over the course of the movie um, but yeah it was improvised and he actually came up with that on set while uh, Ingrid Bergman kind of watched the rest of the cast play poker apparently she was trying to learn English and that just came out <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> don't know
0: how but um, <laughs> it did and apparently it was just so I, I guess the public liked it so much that during the premiere of this movie, or you know, there's some sort of event, and um, there's a crowd there, and Humphrey Bogart is coming out of his his ride, and there's all these people just screaming at him. You're just looking at you, kid. Like I don't know what.
1: <laughs> like a catch. It's like something you say very innocently once, and it becomes your catchphrase, and you're yeah, just tainted and it's like, with
0: forever. <laughs> it's like, God, I wish I I could go back and change that. Um, I mean, he probably didn't care, but I I think you could probably come up with something better than that. Yeah. I actually really like it later on in the film. But we'll yeah. we'll, we'll get we'll get to that later. We'll get yeah. to that later. I think that's the most appropriate part that he says it, but
1: I would be weirded out if my man had a catchphrase. I will say that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's kinda of like talking in the third person, like Rick is in love. <laughs> like, I don't know.
1: But yeah, no, I like how they're looking at um <laughs> moving forward again and jumbling when each line took place. But I like when he asks about, you know, where she was 10 years ago and it just is reminiscent of how innocent they were mm-hmm. before the war. So it's just cute stuff.
0: Yep. So after a few more dates, uh Rick asks Ilsa how he was so lucky to find her without a man in her life. This is the line. Yep. And then she replies that there was but that he died.
1: Which is very crucial to our understanding of her and Brick's understanding of her. Mm. So this is where our knowledge is an audience is right now, that she has this tragic death romance.
0: Exactly. So he was lucky to find her, but was sort of unlucky to find her. Again, that theme of luck, I think it's definitely you know popping its head up. And we then see uh, the Germans start advancing on Paris. and the Which two, is
1: so scary. It's yeah. I get terrified even imagining myself in that situation.
0: Yep. The two converse about how Paris isn't safe anymore. The Gestapo were basically giving all these announcements, you know, to yes. the Parisians about how they should get ready for the rest of the army kind of marching into Paris. But when in reality, uh, the real thing happens so fast that paris had no time to communicate what was happening
1: and there's a lot of just confusion in general of like what to do what's going to happen which is again bringing in that like where were you 10 years ago it's trying to get that innocence back um care carelessness times so it's just scary. it's scary. You're feeling the tension, the impending doom, and Ilsa and Rick are now in a position where they have to figure out what they're doing for themselves, right. An American and a norwegian woman yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and so um after a little bit of time, uh we are then transported back into another room uh where we see Sam with the rest of them and oh uh he is playing as time goes by and then uh and then rick delivers again the line here's looking at you kid don't know why it happened so soon after that but he's really you know reinforcing it's just weird
1: i bet it was one of those things well while they were filming because they didn't film sequentially probably it was like oh yeah that's fine yeah but then like when you're editing it all together it's like oh it's actually like like when you're writing a you know, when you're writing something and you use the same profound word a couple of times, the same, <laughs> same paragraph. Like,
0: how yeah, means. yeah. I mean, like, I guess it still works, but I just think it's weird to call your your significant other kid.
1: He was significantly older than her. No, um, but still still not my favorite thing. Anyway,
0: Rick's a little daddy, apparently. <laughs> um, after hearing the Gestapo say that they will be arriving the next day uh ilsa tells rick that he's in danger and that he must leave uh he then corrects her and says we must leave and then she agrees
3: oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're laughing because
1: <laughs>
3: she's kind of like,
0: like
1: uh... <laughs> it's like it's like when you're watching someone get played and you're like no, and um, Rick is trying to make plans, Ilsa's being vague, and like in my head, I cue the legally blonde gif of Al throwing the chocolates, being like, liar, like, (laughs) (laughs) Ilsa is not going to meet you. Um, It it just broke my absolute heart to see him smile and go, okay, and like go along with this thing that she's saying. I'm just like,
0: oh
2: no,
1: like my heart, I just want to (laughs) just...
0: Give you a hug. <laughs> he he tells her that the, ne- the, the train the next day leaves at 5 and that he'll pick her up at 4.30. But <laughs> she says that he can't meet her at her hotel because she has some things to do before and that she'll meet him at the train station at 4.45. So, mm. big red flag. Apparently not going off for Rick. Uh, she gives him the old I'll call you routine. Yep. And...
1: And he's like, Let's get married. And she's like, Oh ha ha ha.
3: Yeah,
0: so so Rick starts joking around about how they should get married in Marseille. Uh, but she just obviously uncomfortable with it. But the two start kissing regardless, and she prophetically says, Kiss me. Kiss me as if it were the last time. You know? And oh. there's there's like some some tears kind of coming up in some eyes.
1: And Rick is just not picking up on any of this, possibly. Yeah,
0: yeah. like, could I, could I spell it out for you a little bit more clearly? But then we just, we hear this dramatic music and she knocks over her glass. Uh-oh. <sighs> Uh-oh. And so uh, next scene, we're at the train station the next day and it is pouring rain, which is always a good sign. And, uh, and Ilsa is nowhere to be found. Rick is just, you know, he's checking his watch. Upset.
1: So <laughs> sad. The rain sets the tone. It's like my tears pretty much symbolically falling yeah. all over Rick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, so, and so we see Sam uh, hustling. He's coming up to meet with Rick. And he says that Ilsa checked out of her hotel, but she left a note for Rick. And the note reads, Richard, I cannot go with you or ever see you again. You must not ask why. Just believe that I love you. Go, my darling. And God bless you, Ilsa.
1: <laughs> so that's heartbreaking. And I'm sure Sam, I don't want to say Sam snuck a peek at that letter, but I'm sure <laughs> what was up. And yeah, yeah, and you know, it's hard because I think a lot of people are like, why didn't she just tell him? And again, it's I think it's all to protect Laszlo and his work and not mm. wanting to risk it. No. So I think that is why there was, it was so vague and such a, a little bit of a cold goodbye.
0: Yep. So. And it, it's so dramatic. I mean, the rain is just, it, it's smudging all the ink and it's like, oh, uh, you're, you're just, you can feel the energy just coming out of Rick. The jadedness starts to kind of take that place. Yeah. But like, if you're Rick, I mean, I don't know how long... They knew each other, you know. I don't know when they started seeing each other, how he's getting so caught up on Ilsa so fast. Like, obviously, she's beautiful.
1: Whirlwind, whirlwind romance.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe it was a love at first sight sort of thing, but.
1: Like, bacheloresque, like, very short amount of time, but very big buildup of
0: emotions. Filled with passion, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess I, I thought this was kind of funny, but after the second time I watched it, um, I I sort of thought about it. This is sort of like the original breakup via text.
1: Oh yeah, it is the OG breakup via text. Yeah, no, <laughs> she essentially ghosted him. Yep, to some extent mm-hmm. with a text via handwritten note, and
0: it's it, it, it's it's a little classier.
1: <laughs> there was no social media at this time. Rick has no idea where she went, and mm-hmm. he's off on his way eventually to Casablanca.
0: arguably better honestly <laughs> i I will argue that this was a better time for breakups and just relationships much cleaner than now yeah it's it i mean unless you have some fluke incident where you're running a nightclub in Casablanca years later and your you know mm-hmm. your love interest from Paris suddenly shows up with her celebrity rebel husband. convict husband.
1: Oh, well, we don't know that yet though. Well, we do, but
0: okay. yeah. Yep. All these words are getting smudged in the rain. The mood is awful. And then Sam and Rick, you know, they start hopping on the train and Rick just tears up the note. You know, he doesn't want any sort of reminder of it. And then we fade back into Rick's. We see him pour himself another drink. And then a figure dressed in white opens the door in the back. And so uh, Rick and Ilsa lock eyes and she approaches him saying that she needs to talk to him. Uh, Rick is just throwing back his drink um, (laughs) while Ilsa tells the story, presumably, of how she met Laszlo. Uh, And while she says her story, Rick kind of insults her and asks if if it was only Laszlo or if there were other guys before and after. And... (laughs) After he says that, she goes away, and he just puts his head down in yeah. defeat.
1: She was trying to be nice, trying to make amends, and he just threw some big digs at her and some mighty accusations, and it was just not um, pleasant to watch.
0: Uncalled for. <laughs> uncalled for, Love Rick. Blame it on the elk. <laughs> the next scene, we see Strasser and Renault in Renault's office. Uh, this is the following day. Uh, Strasser tells Renault he thinks that Ugarte left the letters with Rick, but Renault tells Strasser he is too clever to keep the letters there, even if he did have them. Laszlo and Ilsa then show up to the office where Strasser tells them that uh, it's in his best interest that Laszlo stays in Casablanca and that every exit visa must be signed personally by Renault.
1: Which is a really important piece of information yep. that we learn as an audience.
0: Definitely. So in exchange for the names and whereabouts of other resistance leaders, uh, Stresser offers Laszlo a visa to leave for Lisbon as soon as he cooperates.
1: Which is interesting because he notes here that they're like, well, I didn't give up the names before in a concentration camp. What are you going to do to me here?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, He's like, it, what?
1: <laughs> and it's interesting. Like, um, I even like the makeup that they did on um, – laszlo and how he has a scar and we can presume that he's definitely seen some stuff and been tortured in this concentration camp um so he has both internal and outward wounds um so we know that this guy's tough and he's not going to give up these names without a fight right or you know, i don't so, think he ever would <laughs>
3: yep
0: yep so laszlo then asks if he can see Ugarte, but he's informed by strasser that he has died uh ronaldo then says that he is making out the report right now and it's between saying that he died trying to escape or that he committed suicide. So.
2: I
1: personally think he was trying to escape, but that's just me.
0: D- Wait, so he actually died trying to escape? Like they didn't kill him?
1: Um, I mean, he was probably like, if, if that were the story we were going with, he was probably trying to escape and was shot outside the...
0: I mean, the way that I thought of it, I thought that he was just a prisoner and the Germans were like, hey, we know that you killed our couriers like bang like
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe I mean, that, that could be it too and there's yeah. there's a lot of ways you could maybe
0: yeah.
2: see
1: this but either way regardless we learned that the germans are not messing around and yes. people try to escape them they
0: Die. get out yeah <laughs> yeah and so the next thing we see rick visiting the blue parrot uh where he meets up with Senor ferrari uh ferrari talks about how the letters of transit ugardi was carrying are nowhere to be found um but he wants to know where they are so he can flip them. So yeah. Ferrari, Ferrari
1: wants them. these letters real bad.
0: Yep. He says that he thinks Rick knows where they are and, uh, and that he'll partner with him and he'll just take a percentage of the sale. If he just, you know, allows him to sell them. Uh, Laszlo can then be seen approaching the blue parrot. And while Rick leaves, he tells Laszlo uh, which guy's Ferrari's huge kind of fat dude. Um, <laughs> Rick then walks up to ilsa who's being haggled by a vendor, and mm-hmm. he tries. She's
2: too smart for that.
0: Yep, she's like, eh, eh. she kind of just shrugs off everything this vendor's saying. um
1: I think it's so <laughs> funny how he like progressively. Yeah, he like <laughs> <that> he starts <laughs> <I felt> lower.
0: <laughs> he he like he starts at seven hundred francs or something like that, and he's like, oh, the special friend of Rick gets a discount and it goes like 200 and 100 and he's like trying to sell their tablecloths by the end of it um yeah it's just kind of funny but uh yeah um rick tries to apologize for the previous night and then he tells ilsa that um
1: he wants to know what's up
0: yeah she can say why she left him at the train station that one day uh but at first she's hesitant
1: yeah she's like well you've changed and mm-hmm. i i won't tell you now it reminds me of um, for anyone that's read the Tenet of Wildfell Hall, it reminds me of when the character Gilbert, um, asked Helen about her backstory after Helen already tried to, and she's like, well, no, you were rude to me. So you're not getting any of it. So like, it kind of reminds yeah. me of that scene, just a little literary movie connection. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's funny.
0: He's not the same man he was in Paris.
1: No, he's changed. He's a hardened man.
0: Yep. <laughs> and so uh, Rick eventually just, you know, he keeps pushing and pushing, uh, tries to tell her that one day she'll come around, and that one day comes in like the next few seconds. Um, Ilsa tells him that that won't happen because Victor Laszlo is her husband, even when they were in Paris.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: You can't see it, but I just did a mic drop.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. What? <laughs>
1: yeah, it's mind blowing for all of us, but yeah. especially Rick.
0: Yeah, the first watch through I was like, oh my god. You know, I I guess I assumed that, but <laughs> still, it's like now Rick knows. Now Rick knows, and he's like maybe even more jaded. Who knows? But the next scene we see Ilsa with Laszlo and Ferrari, and Ferrari tells them that he can't get Laszlo out, but he could probably get Ilsa out alone. Um mm. After discussion, they tell Ferrari that they're only interested in two exit visas. And Ferrari tells them that the letters from Ugarti were never found and that he believes that Rick has them. So.
1: Oh, so then we get the connection to Rick again. Yep. And Ilsa is just feeling a pain. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So everyone knows probably at this part or at this moment that, you know, Rick has these letters that he is pretty much the. What's it called? That central thing? It's like a focal point.
1: Yeah, he's he's definitely the central, yeah, character that all these people are circling back to.
0: So he is obviously a main player in all this, Um, and the the tension is growing. The tension is definitely growing. Uh, The next scene, we are back at Rick's, and we see the pickpocket from earlier in the movie, uh, warning again. About these vultures. And then he steals another man's papers. Uh while he tries to hurry off. He bumps into Carl, who immediately he's like checking himself. Uh, but then he realizes that he's all good. Just kind of another little funny moment.
2: Mm.
0: But then we see Renault and Rick have a uh, a little conversation, and we see Yvonne come back and uh give the table a little side eye. She's back with a German. Yvonne is back with a German. Mm-hmm yes yep so she's throwing it right in right in rick's face uh ronalton says that he has to go flatter strasser a little bit and we see yvonne with her uh her new german date go to the bar and after a brief exchange with a french official uh the german just slaps the frenchman <laughs> i just think it's so funny it's kind of like you don't know if it's just kind of <laughs> I I'm I'm doing a, a motion kind of from top to bottom, like twelve to six. Yeah. It's not like across the face it's like, it's just such a funny <laughs> slap. Um but he, he slaps him regardless, and then uh, um um to come in and break it up. Uh Strasser and Renault talk a little bit about how it might be too dangerous for Laszlo to stay in Casablanca because he might recruit heavily uh for the French resistance there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So,
1: so they're strategizing,
0: they are strategizing, um,
1: and then I think this is interesting because Strasser then asks Renault what team he's on because you know we're asking if he's sure, mm-hmm. and Renault responds that he's with the Vichy, which again is symbolic of he's quote unquote neutral. But not really.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he wants to believe in the Vichy neutrality, mm-hmm. if, but subject to corruption, which he's, is what he's getting through Renault.
0: Right he's playing the Game of Thrones right now, is what he's doing. Yeah, He, he knows who's in power, um, but I still think in his heart of hearts, he's a free French resistance man through and through.
2: Um, <laughs> he gets anyway we'll we'll, we'll get there <laughs> yeah
0: and so um there's we then a, yep. Important to that. yep we then see our first glance of anita brandell uh this dark-haired mysterious young woman uh who comes up to risk rick asking about uh captain Renault and how her husband is at the roulette table trying to win enough money uh to buy their own exit visas <laughs> so actually i'm confused you know what role does she really play
1: Um, okay. So she's going to be another, she's essentially going to be another, um, kind of uh, barometer kind of like metric test of like where, um, Rick, where Rick's neutrality
2: is. Okay.
1: So (laughs) I think it's, I don't know why this drove me crazy that she had an American accent um, (laughs) playing a Bulgarian woman. (laughs) Um, So, uh, so interestingly enough, I think her Humphrey Bogart and Julie Wilson are the only American born people in the film, which is kind of interesting. So, um, and it's also interesting, she's Bulgarian and she describes it as hell and um, actually what's interesting in real life, I, to my knowledge, it wasn't, that's not entirely true. Um, Bulgaria was allied with Nazi Germany, but by coercion. And so Bulgaria did keep independence and it really did try to protect its citizens and help its uh, Bulgarian Jewish population, um, especially escape Bulgaria. So. It's maybe not like the worst place ever, but that's just a little historical tidbit there. Um, but that's basically where she's coming from. She's coming from an independent country that's um, technically allied with Nazi Germany.
0: Yeah, I mean, they don't portray her as a bad person. so no, um trying to escape. Yeah, so I think that's important to note. Uh, she's and, a
1: young lover. She's in love. She has a man, which yep, is also really playing Rick.
0: <laughs> yep, and he's pretty facey, side note. um yeah so anina asks uh rick just just about Renault. um she says that he promised to give them exit visas and then she she strikes a chord in rick by asking him if someone loved you very much so that your happiness was the only thing that she wanted in the world but she did a bad thing to make certain of it could you forgive her which you know (laughs) i I think that's sort of the the straw that (laughs)
1: It's like someone tipped this girl off,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, honestly, Rick just yeah, I don't think he's a mess internally, but he's just like,, Ugh. like <laughs> you know everything is is getting personal for him now, um, but after saying that, Rick comes back uh and says that she should go back to Bulgaria, um but that their problems may work out eventually, and then he excuses himself, uh last and Ilsa then come in uh, again and they request a table as far away from Strasser as possible and as they go away rick tells them that he'll tell sam to play as time goes by since uh since that is a favorite of hers so so petty so petty
1: (laughs) this girl (laughs) and poor sam
0: yeah i mean like i love rick but i feel like he's just being so childish about i don't know it's like come on man just just get over it just get over it like you don't need to torture yourself too with the song but uh but he does it he does it anyway um rick then goes back into the room where the roulette is uh, and he approaches jan uh anina's husband the face god
1: uh <laughs> he's <was> pretty cute <laughs>
0: yep and he uh he was previously losing at the table but rick asks him uh if he has tried 22 tonight and jan says he hasn't rick repeats i said 22 while exchanging looks with emil Jan then immediately puts a fair amount of chips on 22 and he wins the next hand. Ronald notices very briefly and then Rick tells Jan to leave it on 22 again. And after landing on 22 again and winning even more chips, he tells him to cash it and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: so Rick helps his Bulgarian couple and the softness in Rick is starting to seep through his cracks. They're showing.
0: hmm. Yep, we are definitely seeing uh, the true side of Rick. And an Englishman approaches Carl, the major d', and asks, are you sure this place is honest? And <laughs> then Carl replies, honest? As honest as the day is long. Um, <laughs> just a, fun, a-, funny a funny exchange. Yeah, funny exchange. <laughs> Anina then goes up to thank Rick, and Jan and Anina then go up to Renault uh, like fools, and um, <laughs> they try to pay him there. Like uh-huh. on the spot. And, and Renault's like, what are you doing? Like, out. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. <laughs> Let's act like we've been here before. But he, he tells him to come to his office the next morning, and you know, luckily nothing comes about that. Uh just another funny Renault exchange. Uh-huh. Laszlo then approaches Rick to inquire about confidential matters, and Laszlo tells Rick how important it is for him to leave Casablanca. He uh he offers Rick an absurd amount of money. Going, going from two hundred thousand francs to a million, and then to three million. He
1: wants those exit visas real bad.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I think anyone would, and it'd be even crazier to to turn that amount of money down. But Rick is still not offering them, and then after
1: Despite it's worth it.
0: <laughs> yep. After Laszlo asks what the reason is, uh, why he won't give them, Rick tells him to ask his wife
1: which and here we go if laszlo hasn't figured out that there's something going on between rick and his wife by now i'm really curious what profound insights his writings on world war ii are offering up uh he he does later on that he reveals that he
0: does know something is up Mm -hmm. but still it's like come on man (laughs) please just give me the the visas like put everything aside
1: I think that the three of them just need to have a little
2: chat and
0: yeah. <laughs> talk this out. An intervention is definitely necessary. Um, but yeah, Rick isn't budging. He, he really seems like he's not he's not going to give these letters away, that he's still hung up on the entire situation. And while they're talking, the two are interrupted by the singing of, You walk I'm Ryan. A German song uh, is starting to play downstairs and all the, uh, the officers and all of them are starting to sing really loudly. Uh, yeah.
1: So the watch on the Rhine is like you said, a German song and it actually captures the hostile relationships between Germany and France.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean,
1: that song is about.
0: What was the history behind the song? Was it, um, were the lyrics pertaining to uh, France?
1: Yeah, so it's before World War Two, um, and I think before World War One as well. And I'm pretty sure it's a battle that mm-hmm. happens along the Rhine in which it involved Germany and France, and Germans were victorious.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, this is a super patriotic German song that's being it's sung. It's aggressive.
1: It's an it's, aggressive move by the Nazi Germany. It's very yeah.
0: aggressive, and I think originally they wanted to have the um, the Nazi anthem played. Um, I think that there was. I don't know if it was like the German, but... uh, (laughs) Either
1: way, it was a good choice for this moment because of what happens next.
0: Definitely. So as Lazo hears them singing from upstairs, he then runs downstairs and then instructs the band to play La Marseillaise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Sorry, my French is awful.
1: Rick gives the nod for La Marseillaise and they start... (laughs) And well, Laszlo requests it and then Rick gives the nod, which is yes. critical. That is our official turning point that Rick is changing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and this is, and it's really important that they picked uh, La Maché because La um <laughs> again, my pronunciation's rough. <laughs> because the Vichy French national anthem at the time was. And so because they chose to go with a song that wasn't this fake France, this Vichy France song, they went with like the OG France anthem. Mm-hmm. That's super important. And you definitely did not play that on German turf.
2: Yeah. So this is a
1: high stakes scene, very showstopping, mm-hmm. very powerful. Um, the real, the cast members in the scene, a lot of them were, refugees from europe um the tears are real it's so powerful it's incredible
0: everyone at rick's is crying um you have people yelling out vive la france like it's (laughs) it's very patriotic and strasser is upset the germans are being upstaged by the french and um he uh he calls ranel over and tells him that uh if laszlo's presence could inspire that in a saloon uh, what else would he inspire? And in what was left in Casablanca? Uh, he then instructs Renault to find an excuse to shut the club down.
1: <laughs> and I, yeah, the the Elsa has this look of pride, and then we we just know that thing things are changing.
0: Yes, and what follows might be my favorite scene
3: <laughs> <Mine too. laughs> in the movie. <laughs>
0: this is just so classic, you know. <laughs> Renault is just kind of like stuck in his tracks. He's like. But I, he obviously doesn't want to turn or he doesn't want to uh, shut the cafe down. And he's just looking at Strasser like, come on, man. Are you serious? <laughs> Renault starts blowing his whistle and says that everyone wants to leave immediately. And, uh, and, you know, everyone's kind of in a, a frenzy. And then Rick comes over and asks why, he cl- why he's closing him. And Renault says that he's shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on here. Emile Emil then interrupts him as he's saying that and says, You're winning, sir. And Renault says, Thank you very much. And then I everybody so out. <laughs> yeah. So, so Renault is uh, a, a patron and a beneficiary of, um, I guess, the activities that are going on. And uh, he does not want to see it closed down, but
1: it's a uh, temporary to. Keep the peace, maybe. <laughs> yes. So funny. I love that little uh scene. It's yeah. it's a good it's the, a good the,
0: the humor in the movie is I don't wanna say it's dry, but it's just so different than humor subtle. now. Yeah, it's very yeah. subtle. It's not as in your face.
1: I love um, that type of humor where you have to be paying attention in order to find something to be funny. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, but uh again, another reason why Ronald is just my favorite. Uh, but then Strasser approaches Ilsa and tells her that the only options options available for Laszlo are a concentration camp and death. Ilsa, mm-hmm. Ilsa, and Laszlo uh, go back to the room where Laszlo tells her about how he has to go to the underground Free French uh, resistance meeting that night.
1: This guy is dedicated.
0: Yes, dedicated to the game. Uh, Strasser cannot hold him back. Ilsa asks uh, what he found out about Rick, and Lazo says that he knows that he has no intention of selling the uh, the letters. And after being confused on why he wouldn't sell, then he drops the uh, the ask your wife piece.
1: <laughs> he told me to ask you, honey.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, why Why won't he sell the uh, the letters <laughs> of transit? It's
1: just like I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah,
0: and she's just kind of uh, I don't know.
1: He's she does a- not want to tell him. He's like, is there anything you wish to tell me? And she's like, I don't wish to tell you anything. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so Laszlo, I I think he's starting to pick up on it. Um, He asks if she was lonely in Paris uh, when he was in the concentration camp. And she says that, you know, she doesn't really have much to say about the matter. Um, His only response is that I love you very much, dear. And um, she gives the OG Star Wars response. Yes, yes. I
1: know. Yeah. Um, I guess this would technically be the OG, but regardless, um, it's, it's we're, we're seeing their relationship here. This is a good intimate look throughout the film. If you take notes, she never kisses Laszlo on the lips. It's only Rick.
2: Really? So
1: I see this relationship. I see the foundations of their relationship is based on. Mutual passion for being anti Nazi and friendship. And I'm seeing that, like, when they're in dire straits, which they are right now, that these are the core of what they're going back to between the two of them.
0: Definitely. And I guess if Laszlo didn't realize it before, <laughs> he definitely knows now that something is up between uh, her and Rick. Yes. <laughs> so after lazo leaves um he starts you know going away to his meeting uh we see ilsa start to grab her coat and she is out the door too uh the next scene we see rick and carl examining their finances for how long he can stay closed and carl tells rick that he's about to leave to the meeting and rick cuts him short and he says don't tell me where you're going the two say their goodbyes uh rick heads upstairs and when he opens the door to his room he sees ilsa call he sees Ilsa, and she calls Freshman. out to him, Richard, like she used to in Paris.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, the she old kn- Richard. Took. <laughs> yeah,
0: she. These women are are you know they're clever. They they know it's how just
1: to good in wiles.
0: <laughs> yep. He then knows right away uh, the reason why she came was to to grab these letters of transit, and she asks him to put his feelings aside for something more important. Something that he is fighting for too. The world, Com- completely valid. Like, if you're Rick, if you're anyone, you're 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 watching this, and you're like, Rick, come on.
1: Yeah, he's taking <laughs> his revenge on the world. That was rough, and that hopefully maybe put some things in perspective for Rick. So she's using everything she's got, yep. every ounce of logic, to show him to basically grow up
0: depending on how important laszlo is to uh the entire allied cause uh, and i guess their overall war strategy and resistance strategy a huge player in the game might just end up dying because rick's feelings got hurt (laughs) (laughs) in the grand scheme of things but i think it's also pretty important to to note what ilsa said it's something that he is fighting for too so it's like deep yeah. down, she knows that he cares about the cause.
1: Like how much is it worth it to be pigheaded in all of this? Yes. And so, and, and it's hard cause we're still supposed to see Rick as neutral, but again, we do know that weakness of his, that he wants, he's rooting for the good. Well, he's rooting for this allied team.
0: Mm-hmm. The underdogs. Yes. Yeah. He's a, he's an underdog kind of guy. Um, But after she says that, uh, Rick says that he's not fighting for anything anymore except himself. Okay. (laughs) Do I believe you, Rick? Uh, She then plays the Paris card, talking about how they used to be in love, and he is not budging at all. Ilsa, then, you know, she strikes real deep and says, One woman hurts you, and you take your revenge on the world. Mm -hmm.
2: that was a
1: that was a tough one (laughs) Um, i
0: mean it's a hard pill to swallow but i think one that rick definitely needed to needed to hear
1: yeah i honestly i
0: i could see him being on the fence uh before she said that and then maybe her saying that is like maybe the turning point
1: yeah i think it definitely struck a deep-rooted core with rick and that maybe started changing things
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, she calls him a coward and a weakling but she takes it back immediately because she probably knows that that's no way to help her get the uh the letters of transit and then she says that he's their last hope rick turns uh turns his back to strike another cigarette and um when he turns around we see ilsa pointing a gun at him very dramatically
1: business map.
0: yes yeah she's gonna get those letters one way or another um and we really i guess we don't know if she's gonna shoot i could see her shooting
1: yeah. and he's still like nah <laughs> once yeah, she posts R- the
0: yeah rick is not concerned in the slightest bit uh he calls her bluff saying that if laszlo cut, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah whatever um, if laszlo and the cause really meant that much to her she wouldn't stop at anything so she probably would have already done it She would have pulled the trigger. And then he says that he'll make it easy for her. And then he goes right up to the front of the barrel and he tells her to shoot.
1: Oh, this is saucy. It's passionate. We are seeing life and death, love and loss all in a line here. It's very, very profound.
0: Man, it's, I I had no idea what she was going to do. I was just like, uh you know i i I could feel that tension in their room and both of them are just such great actors in this scene it's it's absurd but um the tears come streaming down her face uh and she lowers her gun turns around and then he goes to hug her and she turns around and say that the day you left in paris if you knew what i went through if you knew how much i loved you how much i still love you and then boom another kiss on the lips, maybe some tongue.
2: <laughs> it's a steamy
1: one. We'll yes. say that. Um, yes. It's a passionate one for sure. It's not quite the little peck on the cheek that she's getting with her husband.
0: Rilsa is back, baby. <laughs> Rilsa is back. <laughs> um, Ilsa then gives Rick the. St- Actually, they're not really back, but whatever. Ilsa then gives Rick the story about Laszlo and, uh, and how she thought that he died escaping the concentration camp. And then she talks about how the marriage was a secret from everyone in order to protect her from the Gestapo coming after her, because she would presumably know everything about Laszlo's uh, plans. If she was his wife, Uh, Rick then says, what about now? And she says that she wouldn't have the strength to leave Rick again. Mm. Mm Hmm. will pleads to help Laszlo escape. Uh and then she says that he'll have his work and and all that he's been living for, to which Rick replies, all except one, he won't have you. Aww. Yeah. Yeah, very heartfelt. Uh, I think Rick that shell is just starting to, you know, dissipate. It's you know, we're we're getting a good view of the real Rick here, and maybe he's you know, slowly starting to come around, but we don't know. Uh, Ilsa tells Rick that she can't run away from him anymore and that Rick needs to think uh, for everyone now because she can't.
1: Yeah, I see the exhaustion in her. I I know that this is actually like a, a tool to show, to make Rick forced out of his neutrality, but when I look at the human side of things, I see just Ilsa being... So over this war, so over her conflicted feelings. I just see her tired.
0: Mm-hmm. Then Rick agrees and he delivers the famous line. Once again, here's looking at you.
1: <laughs> well, how could we not have that again?
0: Yeah, and uh and she just she finishes it by saying, I wish I didn't love you so much. But Man. you know
1: what? I will say this in defense of that line being used here. Because it was so used prominently in the Paris flashback, that's like Paris Rick's thing. Yeah. So I guess we're seeing that same Paris Rick that she used to know he's back.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess this is an interesting point to talk about. Do we think that um, Ilsa is playing with Rick right now? Or does she actually believe – everything that she's saying, that she really does love him.
1: So I'll maybe insert my thoughts on here. Um, So movie background, no one knew up until filming the end, which we're not there yet, but no one knew up until filming the end, whether Elsa would end up with Rick or she would end up with Laszlo. So during the picture, Ingrid Bergman would ask the director who she was in love with because she wanted to play it accurately for who who she was in love with. And um, she was... Not told he or she was basically told to keep it neutral, like do both play it in between. So that's kind of her mindset as an actress going into this. So that's why it's a good debate as a viewer to wonder who what she was really feeling. I personally, if I were offering up my two cents, I think her head was in love with Laszlo and I think her heart was in love with Rick. I do actually think she was in love with both at the same time. I think that she had this like, it makes sense mentality with Laszlo. Like they've probably been friends for a while. They clearly have a friend group. They clearly have the same kind of work passions and interests, but in terms of just fun and romance and maybe just being herself, not thinking about the war, I think she was attached to Rick. I think he gave her a sense of freedom. So, heart to me, heart with Laszlo, <laughs> head with Laszlo, heart with Rick for mm-hmm. Ilsa. And I, I really genuinely do think she had feelings for both. I really do.
0: I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, I don't know if I should say my thoughts now or later, but since you said it now, I guess I'll say it now. I think that it's. I think Laszlo is I think more of a true
2: love. Interesting. Like
0: like I I remember her saying just about like I guess the backstory of hearing about Laszlo, uh like hearing his cause and then finally meeting him. Mm-hmm. I, I think there was a little bit of an aspect of um I mean there's definitely respect for what he was trying to do. Uh I think that she was probably just so sad about Laszlo dying, that you know, Rick just offered her some solace, like after probably dealing with like her emotions of thinking that he died. I don't want to say that Rick's a rebound, <laughs> but like I, I think I think they definitely had like genuine feelings for each other. But I think that it, it's kind of like just to make another movie parallel, the castaway with Tom Hanks, it's, it's like, you think your husband dies and then you just kind of live your life after that. And -hmm. then you find out that he's alive again and your life kind of blows up. But yeah, I actually, I do see where you're coming from. And I think that's a really good perception, I guess, on the whole debate. I didn't know that about how she was instructed to act. So that's, so that's pretty interesting too.
1: Yeah, it's, so yeah, I I feel her conflict. I see both.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I see both.
0: Yes, and so after they kiss again, the next scene we see Laszlo and Carl running away from the police, and they hide inside of Rick's. Rick is upstairs and hears all this commotion and calls Carl upstairs, and then he orders him to take Ilsa home by the back way, the the stairs in the back. Rick then goes downstairs to meet with Laszlo. And the two converse about the cause. And Laszlo tells Rick that he sounds like a man trying to convince himself of something he doesn't believe in his heart. He says, each of us have a destiny for good or for evil. And then he asks Rick if he knows that, quote, he's trying to escape from himself, quote. Mm -hmm. Very tense scene. I didn't know that there was some sort of actor feud between Mm -hmm. Laszlo and Rick.
1: Yeah, so um, again, I feel so gossipy talking about these rumored events from many, many years ago.
0: That's what we're here for. But, I mean, they're not going to <laughs> get upset about it.
1: But the rumor has it that, yes, that Bogart and Bergman um, were not the biggest fans of Heinrich, um, who played Laszlo. so and yeah, it comes through a little bit. However, like that actor in real life, Heinrich did was pretty anti fascist himself. So I think that he, that was a good fit for him for the role. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, there were, there was a lot of tension between Bogart and Heinrich. Um, so I think that that actually does a really great job of translating to the screen and making it feel more authentic.
0: Yeah. I think that, uh, <laughs> it's just funny seeing the, relationship between the two um Heinrich apparently (laughs) thought that Bogart was a bad actor (laughs) and um yeah and Bogart thought that Heinrich was a prima donna so there you have it a little bit of a rivalry on set and Heinrich like I'm pretty sure specifically requested top billing
1: yeah so I think he I think the catch was he wouldn't do it unless he was in the top three build.
0: Oh, okay.
1: But yeah, still, top billing.
0: Yep. So, I mean, he got that. He's obviously Um, (laughs) Laszlo. I'm thinking
1: the other after that they were interested in playing him, but that also would have been a good fit.
0: mm -hmm. Yeah. So Laszlo then tells Rick that he knows that he's in love with Elsa and that he's known since the moment they sat down in the cafe. He holds... Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you Do you think he knew? Do you think he knew?
1: Um. It's hard to tell. I don't. I don't know how. Um. Oblivious this man really is, and how much he was playing it cool or not. <laughs> he just strikes me as a very mechanical person, very much not a romantic. Um. And I think that maybe he did know, but he wasn't bothered
2: by it.
0: Yep. He holds. I really don't think he was. Yeah. I mean, he uh, he holds no grudge and says that even though Rick won't give him the letters of transit. To at least give them to Ilsa to make sure that she's safe and to even go with her, so Ooh. we have we have both Ilsa and Laszlo telling Rick to give the letters to the other person so that they can escape because you know they care about each other. I think yeah, that they, they both. Love yeah, they, well, I was going to say that Ilsa just knows that Laszlo is important to his own cause that he needs to go, but mm-hmm. um, Laszlo is obviously telling Rick like I'm a human being and if you won't give it to give it to me like at least like go with her you know to make sure that she gets out
1: yeah so it's um, you're seeing the epitome of this love triangle Mm
0: -hmm. coming to light here yes so the police then charge into Rick's and arrest Laszlo
2: it's
1: the most unofficial closed sign ever on the bar by the way
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) It says, like, closed by order of the prefect of police.
1: Like, handwriting. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And then while they're arresting Laszlo, Rick says, It seems like Destiny has taken a hand. Cue him taking one of his thousand drags on the cigarette. He's chain smoking this entire movie. Uh, yep. And the next scene, uh, we see Rick in Captain Renault's office where Renault is warning Rick about trying to help Laszlo escape. Rick then tells Renault that he's planning on leaving that night with the letters of transit and with Ilsa. Renault still doesn't know uh, why Rick cares about what happens to Laszlo, and he makes an offer to Renault. The plan that Rick makes to Renault is that he will tip off Renault about Laszlo coming to pick up the letters of transit so that he can make the arrest, uh, turn him over to Strasser, and have him sent back to a concentration camp so that Renault will look better in the eyes of Germany and Vichy France. And then Rick. Would escape with Ilsa. Yes, that is the plan. That, that
1: is-, is the plan that has been proposed to Renault.
0: Yes, and Renault—he's not—he's not stupid. He's still confused why Rick has never shown an interest in any woman before. And <laughs> Rick replies by saying that she's not just any woman. Before Rick leaves, he tells Renault uh, to come alone and to call off his watchdogs uh, because he doesn't, you know, wants to take any chances. I guess with what's about to go down. Do you believe do you believe Rick?
1: um, if you're watching
0: this for the first time?
1: No, I'm thinking back to my first time, Maybe I mean, that was a pretty hearty kiss between him and Ilsa. I think if you're maybe I'm trying to think back to like my first time watching it, I think like, yeah, you're like, maybe it's possible, but I think there's been a lot of tip offs that Rick isn't that bad of a guy. So I also don't see him sending this poor guy to a concentration camp by a petty little choice. Mm-hmm. So I I could see someone maybe falling into this, but I could also see someone being very skeptical.
0: Yes. Uh, I guess what, when I was watching it, I thought maybe just because the way that Rick left that scene with Laszlo saying the whole destiny part, it, it just seemed like he was kind of happy to see him like get taken away. Yeah. But again, we, uh we're, we're still not sure what is to come. All we know is that he has this plan with Renault and that it's one of those I'll scratch your back. If you scratch mine sort of kind of deals. Yes. Uh, the next scene, we see Rick and the blue parrot with senior Ferrari, uh, where it appears that he is finally selling his cafe and he's making sure that all the workers there are compensated. Another sign that he's going to go through on this uh, one way or another.
1: He's making plans.
0: Yes. And so once he leaves, we see him go back to the cafe uh, to go over the letters of transit. And uh, while he's doing that, there's a knock on the door and we see Renault, who has arrived early. Rick tells him that he has the letters. And then uh, we hear Laszlo and Ilsa's taxi come up. The plot thickens. Uh, while Laszlo is paying the cab, Ilsa runs in to tell Rick that Laszlo thinks that he's leaving Casablanca with her.
2: <laughs> and
0: Rick responds by saying that he'll tell them once they get to the airport. She's probably like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, if I were Ilsa, I would be just so confused. And so after that, we see Rinald, uh hiding behind a corner, waiting for Laszlo uh, to take the letters from Rick. And once he does, Renault comes out and places Laszlo under arrest, saying... You're surprised at my friend, Ricky. The explanation is quite simple. It seems that love has triumphed over. And then (laughs) Mm right as he's about to say virtue, Renault turns around and we see Rick with a gun
2: pointed (laughs) right
0: at Renault. What is going on? I thought they were going to do my poor boy Renault. I was, I was so scared. (laughs) (laughs) Rick tells him to sit at the table and then he tells Renault to call the airport And while he does that, he reminds him that he has a gun pointed right at his heart, to which Renal replies, that is my least vulnerable spot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So cheeky.
0: (laughs) I love it. Renal picks up the phone and dials and he says, hello, hello. Is that the airport? This is Captain Renal speaking. There will be two letters of transit for the Lisbon plane. There is to be no trouble about them. But there's one major key to this scene. He is not calling the airport. He's actually calling Major Strasser.
2: Ooh. Yes.
0: <laughs> and so Major Strasser is uh, he's on the other line and he's super confused. He's like, I'm not the airport, but mm-hmm. he picks up on the tip eventually and after all hangs up, uh, Strasser then calls his own squad of police to meet him at the airport and he tells Colonel Hines to get his car quickly. He has to move because he knows that stuff's about to go down and after that we are then taken to the airport and we see rick tell to fill the names in himself uh good touch good touch and to make them out as mr and mrs victor laszlo
2: whoa yes shocked
0: yes so (laughs) (laughs) so they're off um rick will not be departing with them
1: ilsa is Again, that devastation coming through the the tear in her heart just got ripped a little further. Yeah, if Rick's plan is finally in action. It's it's really happening.
0: I, I think that this is actually a good case for your hypothesis. Uh, the the heart being with Rick, but the head being with uh, Laszlo. And honestly, now that I think about it, I kind of agree with that more than like what I was saying. I don't think she'd have such a strong re- reaction. To Rick basically sacrificing himself.
1: Yeah. There's tears. It's you you see great acting, by the way. Wow. Yeah. Um, you feel the heartbreak.
0: If Laszlo wasn't five feet away, I think she would have just <laughs> I think she would have started making out with Rick again. But uh Elsa then asks, what will happen to Rick? And he says that he's going to stay on the ground with Renault to make sure that the plane gets off. Um Ilsa then brings up the last night, and Rick responds by saying, Last night, we said a great many things. (laughs) You said I was to do the thinking for both of us. I've done a lot of it since then, and it all adds up to one thing you're getting on that plane with Victor where you belong. Yep. And I think, like, I think this is a very mature um, Rick finally coming around, uh, knowing what he needs to do, and probably knowing that you know, she might regret it later on. I mean, do you think that she would regret it?
1: I mean,
0: we'll get, we'll actually, we'll get to that in a second. It's
1: it's a big question. Let me circle, but give me, give me a minute to think
0: about it. So, So Rick then says that nine times out of 10, if they stayed there together, Major Strasser would have them sent to a concentration camp. And he says inside, we both know that you belong with Victor. You're part of his work. The thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground, and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. That is yeah. where we're at. And I think that's a really huge question.
2: It's a
1: call for her maturity as well. We look at this whole thing of like, Rick, you have to you have to decide. You have to give this thing up and save the world. Um, but Ilsa has to do the same thing. She has to realize okay, like this is for the good of the world, maybe Mm -hmm. to do this. So it's, do I think she regret it? Um, you know, I think it'll be one of those things where what could have been always, Mm -hmm. um, and you know what, one of the things I'm personally curious curious about is I'm not going to say she'll regret it. But I'm curious how her and Lazo's relationship will function in a post-World War II world where they don't have this fight going on. Because I really do see this common um, cause really being a very important, substantial fuel to their relationship. Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: I'm curious if they're just really good teammates and if she will maybe regret not having – that passionate love in her life.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Maybe she, maybe she won't get there with Laszlo. Maybe she will, but I'm curious what that relationship looks like post world
0: war two. Definitely. I think that's a, that's a great point. And it's almost like Ilsa is Laszlo's muse, like his inspiration for all of his work. But I think that's a really good point. Um, You don't really know how that relationship is going to be once, uh, once the final curtain is yeah,
1: drawn thought.
0: Mm-hmm. and then uh it's such a good point such a good point but i think that uh this next line is pretty important and almost acts as a uh a point of closure maybe and maybe this is just kind of what um they'll both be able to remind themselves of uh, after World War Two is over and it's all said and done. Um, Ilsa asks, what about us? And Rick replies with, we'll always have Paris. We didn't have it. We had lost it until you came back to Casablanca. We got it back last night. So I think... I don't know. What What do you feel when you hear that? Are you agreeing? Disagreeing?
1: I'm seeing duty over romantic submissions mm-hmm. I'm seeing mm-hmm. someone who is no longer neutral and really is trying to be like this hero and a protector of his love right um and though we'll always have Paris. did you mention that
0: yes we'll always yeah. have Paris and it's, they will it's a,
1: yeah it's a heartbreaking line and But you know what? I think it's the one that resonates with so many people of maybe that the one that got away that maybe, and and to be fair, maybe she and Rick wouldn't have had the right fuel to make their relationship work. Maybe it was a passion that would have burnt out eventually. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But they'll always have that part of their life that they can reflect on. And it was appropriate for that point in time. It served a purpose. And it helped. Him, see, I, I think it helped him be an aid to why it was so important for for Laszlo to get out of there.
0: Mm-hmm. The whole like everything happens for a reason,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I guess. Philosophy, I think, is really applicable here. Um, you just don't really know how life is going to turn out, but I guess it's it's kind of going back to Laszlo. You, I guess your destiny is somewhat in your hands. You you can choose to look at what happens to you. In your life uh as a means of pursuing evil, or you can use it more of for redemption, um and using everything for good. I think that's kind of a cool way to look at it too. And yeah, I mean at the end of the day, like they'll always have their moments together and you know, those moments are you know etched out for eternity and whatnot. It's it's you know, like everything and nothing at the same time, that whole thing. But uh (laughs) <laughs> Rick says that he's no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. And as she looks down, he picks her chin up and he delivers the line again. Here's looking at you kid. I, <laughs> I, I, I think that this is the best scene for it personally. It's,
1: it is. Um, I like the, I like that addition here. Yes. I think yeah. it was nicely placed.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, if you think about it, I was kind of talking ish about <laughs> the the line being used earlier, yeah. like in Paris, maybe like the only revision I would say is just use it once, but I think it's important that they said it in Paris yeah. too, because that that night when they're having their rekindlation <laughs> of their emotions, like it's good to i guess call back to when. I guess they first started falling for each other.
1: It recalls their special, their special connection.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but boring. I think I think this scene too, behind <laughs> closing the the cafe up. I think this might be my favorite, just because when I think of just classic, old school Hollywood movies,
2: this is
1: the scene. This is it.
0: It's just you know the shots are perfect, <sighs> and the deliveries are just great. It's, How, what, it's what you imagine, right? right?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, there is nothing more romantic than a couple on a plane tarmac, as we know from my other favorite movie, The Bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke for um, people that have seen that movie. It's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice symbolic place for closure, for something that won't work out. Mm-hmm. Something is taking off. So that's some, so that it can flourish. And what happened is left behind right there on the takeoff
0: strip. It's, it's sad. It's romantic. It's beautiful. It's, it's honestly, it's a great scene. And when I think about, I guess, how Clark Gable or other actors would have been in that role, I think that's when I'm like, okay, I'm happy that it was Humphrey Bogart. And yeah.
1: I don't think there's any other people I would want for these roles. The chemistry between the two, like I said earlier, just beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. Just a uh, great scene. But after that emotional goodbye, um, we see Major Strasser honking away and just driving as fast as he can to get to the airport. And Lazo tells Rick that everything is in order. And Rick says he has to tell him one thing that might make a difference later on. He says that Laszlo didn't know that Ilsa went to his place the last night for the letters of transit. He says that she tried everything to get them and nothing worked. He said that she tried her best at convincing him that she was still in love with him.
1: She went through like all stages of grief in her convincing process.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it's like, do you really need to hear that? Will that make that much of a difference?
2: Eh. If,
0: if you're Laszlo? Yeah maybe (laughs) that's why i'm like maybe that was just one last moment for rick being like petty and it's like (laughs) by the way she came back last night and uh we made out for half an hour (laughs) 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 it's like (laughs) bye
1: (laughs) thank you (laughs) for that (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna have a great plane ride to (laughs) list yeah
0: yeah (laughs) not a word was said (laughs) But um, yeah. Regardless, it appears like Laszlo, hes either the most understanding guy in the world, or the most oblivious guy in the world,
2: or um, just like the
1: most like. I really don't think he's like a mushy guy. I yeah, really—he's he's just—he's like,
0: just, like, man, you guys had feelings.
1: Yeah. All right. <laughs> really dedicated
2: to his work. Yeah. He's a workaholic.
0: Yeah, that is a that is duty over love, one hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says that <laughs> he realizes that those feelings were over long ago hmm. and <laughs> Laszlo says that he understands. So, or no, no. Rick says that he realized that those feelings were over long ago and Laszlo says that he understands. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, there, there you go. Uh, Rick and Laszlo then shake hands and Laszlo says he welcomes him back to the fight saying that this time he knows that his side will win.
1: This is one of my favorite lines in this movie. I don't really? know why, but I think this is so cool considering the context that the outcome of the war hasn't happened yet. It's 1942. We don't know that the Allies are going to win. But oh, yes. I love just like the, this time I know we'll win. That installs hope Oof. in the audience. Oof. That makes you patriotic if you want to sign up for this war. and fight because you're seeing Rick fight the fight and it's like, I will too. It is perfect. And that's why part of why I feel like this line captures why this movie was so successful. Um, I, again, so cool considering that the end of the war hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. Gives me shivers.
0: Uh, I I honestly, I just got chills down my spine because I, I think I knew that going in, but just like you saying that again, Mm -hmm. where if you're watching this for the first time in movie theaters in 1942, yeah, you don't oh. you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, like, be pumped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Germans are taking over all of Europe. Um, seems like all of Asia is taken over by Japan. Like, the odds are not in their favor. I would say at all,
1: they really are the underdogs, and we don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, but we feel hope, and it is just so strong in this moment it made me feel so good hearing that line
0: yeah no they uh they called their shot and um and they delivered but the uh the plane you know starts to get fired up and Lazo asks Ilsa if she's ready uh they are very nonchalant in the way that they go to the plane um Rick tells them that they should hurry and it's a saunter <laughs> yeah and honestly they're they're taking their sweet time uh going over there but Renault has been in the background this entire time. Uh, he's looking on and he goes, I was right. You are a sentimentalist. Um, he then says that what is coming for them will not be pleasant and that he has to arrest him uh, as soon as the plane takes off. Wow. Yep. Strasser is then coming in really hot and asks uh, what the phone call is about. Renault tells him that Laszlo is on that plane uh, that's ready to take off and Strasser's asking why Renault, you know, isn't stopping it. Uh, Renault then tells Strasser to ask Rick why he isn't stopping the plane. (laughs) Strasser then strides over to the phone and Rick tells him to step away and warns him that he'll shoot him if he was willing to shoot Renault. Uh, Strasser goes over to the phone anyway and calls for the radio tower. He pulls out his gun towards Rick, but Rick is quicker on the draw. He shoots Strasser down and right after the French police arrive on the scene. Renault tells the police force that Major Strasser has been shot, and while exchanging very tense glances at Rick, uh, he turns to the force and he tells them to round up the usual suspects,
1: <laughs> alluding to uh, <laughs> the earlier line used in the film.
0: Yes, this is so interesting to me because when did the the switch? When did the switch flip? When did Renault flip the switch?
1: You know what? So this is, um, again, kind of a symbolic thing. I think it was progressive. Um, and again, it speaks to the larger issue of, uh, what Vichy France is and what it means to be French during this time. Um, and so after the shoot shooting part happens, um, Renault pours the glass of Vichy water out and then he throws out the bottle. Mm -hmm. This is very symbolic because him um, dumping of that Vichy water means that he's done being played. He is done with how, like, this area of France was being treated at the time. Right. Um, He's ready to, like, fight, too, and he's ready to join forces with Rick. Mm -hmm. So he's over the idea of this fake neutrality that Vichy France is holding, and he's ready to— reclaim the identity of true France. So I think it's progressive throughout the film, but a little earlier in the film, I think there's like a part where he explicitly says he's not a big Strasser fan. Yeah. Um, and so we see it just we see what he did, we see what Rick did for Ilsa and Laszlo, and he he too sees the importance of what's really at stake here. Mm-hmm. and where he needs to be in this fight so it's a good parallel rick if rick is representative of america uh renault is representative of all these oppressed nations by nazi germany and they need to join forces they need to just take this kind of like yeah we're friendly to a real alliance which takes us to the ending line <laughs>
3: we'll <get> exactly
0: <laughs> so rick uh rick gives Renault a very soft smile knowing what Renault did for him and he goes well rick not only are you a sentimentalist but now you become a patriot <laughs> and then that's when Renault starts pouring that glass of uh, vichy water uh and then he slams it into the garbage as he goes to rick's side and watches laszlo and ilsa take off on the plane yeah he then tells rick that it might be a good idea if he disappeared from casablanca for a while He says that there's a free French garrison over at Brazzaville and that he can arrange a passage. Rick says that he could use a trip, but it doesn't make a difference uh, about the bet that they made earlier and how Rinald still owes him 10,000 francs uh, for saying that Laszlo would escape. (laughs) (laughs) Rinald then says that the 10,000 francs should be enough to pay for our expenses. Rick then says, (laughs) our expenses. Louis, I believe that this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship.
2: Beautiful
1: and close. Yes. Wow. Reno and Rick are allied and we're just we're on our way.
0: Yes. I, I did not know that that line was from this movie.
1: Really? Yes.
0: I, I was not expecting that at all. Um, oh,
1: well, what a fun little surprise that was for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: like everyone knows it. You know, it's it's one of those lines where it's like, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. But I had no idea that all that was like the context for what formulated that line. I just had a huge smile on my face when he said it because it's such a perfect ending. It's
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, it's just the nicest bow to to wrap around.
2: Yeah,
1: it it does tie together perfectly. It there's it's very to me it's a satisfying ending. Yeah. Like sad and satisfying.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I mean what what are we going to say about uh, that I guess symbolizing America oh, just
1: more of the same. It's you know America realizing it's the overall the big running theme in this film is the shift from neutral to passionate um and it's the importance of America seeing um their role in this war and why they need to be part of it, and how important it is to be allied with people with common interests mm-hmm. so. It's it's a great just call to action for Americans at the time. It's a great, just it has a lot of emotional stake in it. Um, just all incredible, both of a movie in and of itself and symbolically.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's balanced just right. I mm-hmm. think it's just right between just like the actual story itself and I guess the meta message that it's trying to send to. Mm-hmm. The population as a whole yeah, yeah, I mean, do you have any final thoughts uh, on the themes or things that it sort of says that could resonate and relate to things now, or
1: we see luck, we see the importance of not or we see the the implications of not taking sides, and we see the power of taking sides. Rick is one very small person and he makes a difference. So when we think about today and in consideration of the current political climate, you know, think about you as just one person being able to make that impact and speak your truth and living out what you, your values and what you think is important. So it's I think this movie, the theme of that was just as important then as it is now, and again, aged beautifully, we can look to this movie again and again for inspiration for taking a stance on what
2: we believe in
0: definitely i I agree with all those points, and I just had such a fun time watching this yeah it was. A uh, blast. Yeah, no, it was like I said before, it was, it was kind of hard. The, the first watch through without any sort of knowledge, I guess, about what it was going to be on, but a second watch through or even just reading about it beforehand, it will make you appreciate it so, so much. I loved it. and Lovely yeah.
1: slice of history. Highly recommend checking it out if you haven't seen it or if you haven't watched it in years. Mm-hmm. It's so worthwhile. Um, wonderful. Wonderful film
0: yes Um uh, emma parting thoughts
1: um i think this is the beginning of a beautiful
0: podcast series <laughs> i think so too <laughs> i think so too with that i want to thank you guys again uh for listening for being here for you know sharing this time with us to listen and to explore all these moments that Uh, that we love so much we really we really just want to thank you yeah keep exploring
2: films yes
0: and keep exploring with us please do like emma said it is the beginning of a very beautiful podcast (laughs) take care